Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, guys? It's Mike Cerrone from the DC Crossover Podcast. Ben and I have been producing audio content since our teenage years. But now, don't we wish we had the tools you guys have to create and distribute your own content? Let me quickly tell you about our new sponsor, Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's definitely something I love using. One reason, because it's free, people, F-R-E-E. As most of you may know, free is one of my favorite words, so don't get that mixed up. So no charge to start up with Anchor. Now let's talk about how easy it is to use. With Anchor, there are creation tools that allow you guys to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super simple and super accessible from anywhere. Now that you recorded, how do you distribute to the streaming apps? Anchor does it for you, folks. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or more, they got you. Using Anchor, you can actually make money from your podcast. Straight hard cash, homie. Whether you have a handful of friends, family, or group that wants to hear your content, there is no minimum listenership. It's everything you would ever need to make a podcast in one simple place. Want to get started? Here's what you guys need to do. Download the free Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started today. Now back to our nation's capital with Sarone and Simpson. The uh, You had the day off today, huh? Hell yeah. Are you recording, by the way? Maybe. I don't know. Can't tell you uh, these things. Yeah. I don't know. I got to catch you in your natural, you know, state. Natural state. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> My natural habitat. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had the day off today, which was nice. Um you know, really, I haven't uh, done anything uh, worth worthwhile. Um, yeah, give I me one example of what you did today. <laughs> give me one example. <laughs> There's not a lot of examples out there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, that's the thing is that it's very, it's very weird. Like, you know, it's kind of like going back to school where you have, you know, these snow days and different stuff of that nature where you basically just sit there and you're like, what do I have to do with today? But as an adult... I don't want to go and sled and stuff like that, unless I'm with you know my niece and nephew or something like that. Which they did that yesterday with uh, my niece's Christmas gift. We, me and Jen, got her, which was a unicorn, tube, right? Yeah, the unicorn tube. You saw that, right? Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. She's a big unicorn fan right now, so I had to get her that. That was uh, pretty interesting. But all did in you, all, did you go on the tube? No, no, I, I wasn't there. Probably I, I a good idea. That wasn't my video. That wasn't my video. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was probably. Uh, good idea if i was there not to go on the tube uh because as my niece said it was amazing it wouldn't be amazing if i was on it because i would just have my ass in the, in the snow yeah um, <laughs> that's true let me um, guess so you probably did a lot of video gaming today uh well that's the thing okay so put it this way so i knew yesterday 
that I was going to have off today. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> I got to live it up. I don't have to get up at 5 a.m. Uh, and, and whatnot. So I basically I gained a lot last night. I stayed up. I watched uh, um, some uh, some Netflix shows. You ever watched the show Big Mouth by Nick Kroll? I know what it is. I've 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 dabbled. I haven't really watched the full thing. I know it's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, I just started watching it. Uh, me and Jen started watching it. Jeez, maybe a couple weeks ago. But basically, what happened was uh, I got up. Um, Jen had her organizing gig today, so I I woke her up. And uh, told her, hey, you know, get ready for the day. Get going. I'm staying here. And uh, <laughs> and then I let the dog out in the 10 inches of snow, uh, which he loves. But then it's uh, kind of um, terrible for me because then all the snow sticks to his fur. And I have to try to, like, peel it all off every damn time. Um, but then I got back in. And I said, okay, you know, I, I guess I'll try to go back to bed, I guess, or something. So I ended up, uh, you know, crawling back to bed. And I started watching Netflix on the TV. And uh, I started watching QB1. Have you ever oh, seen yeah. that? Oh, dude. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And that's, are you kidding me? So my, um. my specialty <laughs> are shows that go behind the scenes of like high school football. I've seen mm-hmm. probably every single show that exists that has to do with... Uh, now, I don't really care about high school football, but I like the shows that go behind yeah. the scenes of high school football. So QB1, season one, little Tate Martell action, even though the real MVP of season one is his sister, Riley Martell. Uh, oh. Wait till you get to that part. And then uh, season two, it has what, Justin Fields is in that? Uh, uh, see, I, that's the thing is I started watching because I already knew that where Jake Fromm and all these guys. Yeah, yeah, Jake Fromm, Georgia. I, yeah. I, I started watching uh, season two, so I, okay. I didn't watch season one. So you got to go back I, in season I one. I had to go back and dabble into that one. Dabble <laughs> a little bit of Riley Martell action. That's a good follow on Instagram if you uh, – ah, but maybe don't tell oh. Jen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's been a whole lot of nothing today. So I watched two episodes, I think, of that, and uh, then I started falling asleep, and – me and the dog passed out for a good two and a half, three hours. Um, <laughs> and I woke up pretty much at like, geez, I might, I might've woke up at maybe three o'clock. Wow. And then, um, yeah. So then I sat on my phone for a little while and then, uh, I basically went out there and I was like, I'm going to game for a little bit before we do this podcast. Smart. And, um, smart. I, I went out there and then you texted me saying, Hey, I'm going to be, uh, going home here soon. Uh, we'll yeah, some of it. us, you know, work today. Yeah, I know. And then, right when you texted me that, I said, "Well, damn, I haven't started started my Madden game yet, so I'm not gonna have enough time." Because I literally waited for the last to, second. Sorry to screw format. that all up for you, man. I yeah, didn't mean just, to yeah. screw on, up man. the Madden game for. Yeah, for those uh, listeners who aren't in the area, uh, we got some snowfall Saturday night right. through pretty much all of Sunday. That's why Mike and I are doing the show from separate abodes tonight. <laughs> we yeah, we were only able to dig out one car uh, this morning, so I, I didn't want to be the leave everybody uh, you know leave Abby stranded here. Um, so uh, you got to do it. You got to You have to do the like as it goes. You know, as the snow goes. You oh, have I did. To start digging it out. I did oh, for my did. car. Yeah, for my car. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what am I? What am I the? The, the, the plow? I'm not the plow. Are you, are you Jesus? Yeah, I don't need to clean everybody's car. Yeah, I was up at 6.30 a.m. doing the finishing touches on my car, getting it ready to go to the old Batmobile, headed to uh, heading into uh, heading into the book factory today. So. The book factory, yeah. Yeah, I was, a, lot of, uh, a lot of reading. There was a lot of people... Uh, that were not in but yeah all the all the uh the county 
county folks getting the day off like yourself. Congratulations. Yeah. It's nice. Got a two-hour delay tomorrow. Um, oh, man. So you already know you get to sleep in a little bit tomorrow, too. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah, every, nice. things are looking up. Nice. Things are looking up for, for the Saronster. Yeah, so then then all of a sudden uh, this week, obviously, the game day is on Monday. So yeah, uh, we, we didn't get that, get that off. off. As well. Dang, we didn't yeah. get that one off for work. We have, we have, yeah, we have that day off as well. And then we have Friday is a movable holiday um, or something of that nature. And um Basically, I have to go in for a meeting at 7 a.m., which kind of sucks, but I still have the rest of the day off. And that's when the movie Glass comes out with Samuel L. Jackson, oh, yeah, Bruce, yep, Bruce yep. Willis, and uh, and uh, James McAvoy. Is that, is that his name? Yeah. Um, yep. And that one's going to be pretty damn good. I'll tell you that right now. Me and Jen are already planning on going. Uh, I don't know when. Maybe get some matinee little uh, little. Couple I, I mean, it's no Mary Poppins, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I, I was not a big Mary Poppins fan back in the day. I was just what I just was. What is there not to like? Well, magic yeah, nanny I, comes floating in from the sky and uses magic to help clean up the toys and gives them sugar. I mean, that's. Well, I mean, honestly, I don't remember a lot of the movie because, like that that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang song is just not you know. That's a that different. A that's a that's <laughs> Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, you idiot. That's an entirely different movie. That's a flying car, what and that's it, a. What, wasn't there like a like a witch or something in that movie too? Uh, probably, but it was all about the car, the Chitty Chitty okay. Bang Bang car. <laughs> You're mixing up your movies. No, Mary Poppins was the one that was just giving them medicine, and everyone's like, they don't even have prescriptions for this. I don't know why you're feeding them medicine. And she was like, uh, well, I'm also giving them a spoonful of sugar to help it go down. And they're like, so you're poisoning these kids. The, the kids <laughs> Jeez, ended up Louise. ended up very obese as adults. Unfortunately, oh my god! Uh, but yeah, oh, remember man. it's the chimney sweep. Uh, Dick Van Dyke plays the chimney sweep. He's a yeah. He's sweeping the chimneys, and she's the 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 maid, and uh, or, or well, I guess he, the he, nanny. Dick Van, Dick Van Dyke is in Chishi Bang Bang. Yeah, he is. Right? Yeah, it's almost I, like he's a famous actor. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like he's famous. Yeah. Oh man, God, I can't believe oh, you mixed geez. up two classics. No, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I, I've seen that. <laughs> probably got to be four or five times now not in the last 20 years but four or five <laughs> times uh for sure so i think you you just go ahead and skip uh glass or whatever and then just stay home maybe rent uh chitty chitty bang bang and then do a marathon and also watch the original mary poppins uh, yeah. and, and get that all, all on demand i think that might I'm be not. a better plan I might have to uh, to suggest that situation, but uh, I think tonight I is uh, tonight. I think is if we if we're gonna do our Pixar movie, I think uh, next up is Wally. Or oh, geez, that was that was last week. That's John Wally, said. yeah, we didn't watch it yet. We, we, we were <laughs> watching Wally. other stuff, uh, so we're gonna watch a little John Wally. Uh, he gets hurt. He gets hurt uh, in the movie, and everyone's like, "Man, we're doing better without him." Um, and then they bring in this foreign robot and they're like, man, this guy's a good passer. And John, John Wally gets, you know, pretty upset and uh, a little overweight in the off season. Um, yeah. Going to the Rose bar. Yeah. Yeah. John Wally frequents the Rose bar <laughs> quite a lot. So, uh, wait, wait, picks up a lot this? of trash. Yeah. <laughs> takes up the trash a lot. Yeah. Um, so what, what did you do the last couple of days for your uh, little, little snow vacation? It wasn't really a vacation on the weekend. Yeah, a little football here and there, some television, yeah. some uh, some video gaming, still gaming on the Switch. I'm, I got, yeah. you know, I've got like uh, five badges so far in Pokemon, so doing all right. Wow. Um, yeah, just beating gym leaders left and right and 
you know, feeling a little like a pedophile when I play that game because it's for children. <laughs> um, so, and it's a little wow. weird. <laughs> there you go. But, I guess uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and then a little Red Dead. Did get to play some Red Dead on Saturday. So that's, uh, I, I, there was a moment in Red Dead where I was supposed to be fist fighting this guy. He would like pick a fight outside of this bar. And I was like, all right, let's go. And I accidentally pressed the wrong button, pulled out my gun about two inches from his face and shot his face off. Um, <laughs> which was not my original intention. I was looking for a friendly, you know, boxing match and ended up uh, committing a first-degree homicide in front of the whole town. Um, so I had to hop on my horse and run away. And in that game, as long as you run away long enough, you're good. You're good. No one's going to arrest you. Um, when you come back, sometimes the cops are like, hey, weren't you the guy that shot that guy in the face? And you're like, nope, well, it wasn't me. I look like uh, the other, you know, 500 characters in this game. So... Um, yeah. Is it really, is it really similar to, uh, to GTA? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a wild west GTA basically. I mean, it's a, it's, I mean, rockstar makes it, but it's, yeah. it's, exact same it's I mean, it's a lot of fun. It's a great game of course, but like, uh, but yeah, a lot of the same stuff like in GTA, you could go around killing people and then, uh, you just drive away and hide, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, wait out, uh, wait out the cops. And then the cops decide, you know what? We waited uh, 30 seconds and we couldn't find him. So the crime is going to be good. He's good. If he comes back, he's good. Um, but actually I will say, uh, in red dead, the interesting note is, um, if you like go into a town and commit a crime and you come back to that town, if the law catches you, your penalty is going to be even greater. Um, so there is a bounty on your head. Um, in that game. So you can go to the post office and pay off your bounty, which I thought was interesting because there's just a guy working at the post office and you show up to him and you're like, yeah, I'm wanted for like murder of 10 people. And he's like, all right, 50 bucks. And you pay him. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, you're good to go. And uh, I thought that was a little strange, but I guess that's how the West worked. You know, I guess that's how the, I guess that's how the West was won. Exactly. Exactly. All right. <laughs> you ready to do this thing? Oh, am I ever. All right, let's knock this out. It's a clown question, bro. And they're not even called Reese's Pieces. They're called Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. They're pieces of Reese's. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. We're talking about practice, man. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about practice, man. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. Hello? You play to win the game. Hello and welcome, Pine Ponies. It's DC Crossover right here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play Music. I am your host with my co-host, Ben Simpson. I am Mike Cerrone saying hello from the snow. Very, very uh, deep out there, Mr. Simpson, as we just briefly touched on in our pre-show banter. And uh, it's about, I think they said about 10 to 11 inches out where I'm at, at least. Where is it, or how much is it over there in the Herndon area right now? Well, you know, I, I don't have my ruler handy, okay. Mike. Oh, I left that back yeah. in the fifth grade. Um, gotcha. But oh. uh, I'd say I'm going to estimate at about uh, 6.8 inches. 6.8, wow. That's a very, very... Very good estimation. I think that was almost on point. Oh, well, I am a scientist. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, again, this is the DC crossover. We cross over all four major sports in the watch the market again. Tyrone, alongside me, is always Mr. Ben Simmons. We are doing a remote broadcast today 
mainly for the sole fact that, hey, there's snow outside, it's icy, and I don't want to kill myself. Um, so overall, we're going to have a little bit of a uh, uh, phone kind of deal right now, a little remote, uh, you know, a little update on a lot of things. We're going to have a game, fact or fiction game, for the Wizard talk here uh, in our second segment with the Wizards. But first, let's touch on the NFL and the Redskins. Adrian Peterson is going to help him. Look at the 33-year-old Adrian Peterson. A 90-yard touchdown. And with that comes history for A.D. You know, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the Redskins uh, for the next you know, months to come as we get, and then we will as we get closer and closer to training camp or if any moves yeah. happen in the offseason. But, um, you know, I, I guess the, the things that impact the Redskins right now are actually some of the coaching uh, vacancies and some of the moves around the league. Is the league is the league, NFL is kind of a strange place right now because um, the. Uh, the team, these teams have some of the, some of the teams are fine with, you know, the old guard as far as, um, you know, your, your Sean Payton's, your Bill Belichick's, your Pete Carroll's and things like that. And now some of these other teams are starting to adapt the younger coach coaches like Cliff Kingsbury, who just got picked up and, um, you know, some some of these kind of, you know, McFay and, you know, some of these guys that are the, are the young guard. So, and the Redskins kind of fall in kind of a weird place because they're somewhere in the middle um, with Gruden. Cause I wouldn't put Gruden in the same class as, you know, your Belichick's and things like that. But I also, he's not, you know, he's not really the super young up-tempo offense type guy, like West coast offense type guy either. So, uh, but, but, you know, so there's been some interesting moves and then also, the guy whose name's been thrown around a little bit with the Redskins is Greg Williams. Uh, oh, yeah. What are some of your thoughts on that? I would love to have Greg Williams back, honestly, because if you saw him on Hard Knocks, and a lot of people out there may not have HBOs, they probably didn't see Hard Knocks, but Hard Knocks gives you that behind-the-scenes kind of feel for a coach, and I really, it just brought me back to those days of he was with the Redskins and how hard these guys played because – Basically, when you have a coach that goes out there and holds you accountable, that's the biggest thing, uh, motivation, opinion, because the sole fact that if you get hold, held accountable, you get held all this. People don't know in these in these people players' contracts. Basically, they go out there and they have to get a certain amount of this, get a certain amount of that, like sacks, tackles, uh, or whatever it may be, bonuses, and no matter how many, uh, how much money they spend, you know, they can actually basically get. Uh, or excuse me, how much money they get in their contract, millions or whatever, they want that extra bonus. You know, Nick Foles, I heard, he actually uh, lost, uh, I think he lost like four million or something. I, I forgot how much it was. Uh, he, he had four snaps. It was four snaps away from getting a bonus. And that's the biggest thing is that you look at these players that they, if they get held accountable and they get sat on the bench. That affects their livelihood. So if you have a coach like Greg Williams comes in, uh, come in there and hold these guys accountable, you know, if Fabian Moreau is playing like, you know, uh, whatever, like like a Joe Schmo and not not like a, a first-round talent that he was graded uh, coming out of before he got dropped down to the third round, uh, you know, basically that's a big deal because that can go into his contract. That could play into 
uh, his his livelihood with his money and all that kind of stuff. So overall, in my my sense of the of the, of the matter, I think that it, it would be a big deal to bring him in. The only problem is that it didn't end well in his first tenure. Um, but supposedly. Uh, Snyder and Greg Wilson uh, made up uh, a couple of years ago, whatever it was. But I think it would be a big deal, man. Like, overall, it, having him in here, you know, Greg Minoski, he looks like he, or somebody, every single time he's out there, he looks like one of those little, you know, resting B-face kind of guys, <laughs> you know. And that's the biggest thing when I look at is that he's not a Greg Williams, though. Greg Williams, yeah, he's, uh, I would say he's on the, on the sole, like, uh, you know, platform with uh, Jim Hazlitt type coach uh not with the yeah holding everybody accountable but for mainly the uh the, the coaching style and all that kind of stuff uh he would bring a 4-3 back to us which would be beneficial in my opinion but as a whole uh you know he could look at underlying things like what i've heard um about possibly if jay gruden goes out you know greg williams if he comes here he would be the leading candidate to take over the job um which he actually was the interim coach once uh, Hugh Jackson went out in Cleveland and they played so much better, they had you know somehow some type of playoff hope going into week 17. So, opinion, I think it would be a move if they brought him in, but so far right now, nothing's transpired. Yeah, nothing's happening right now, and I, I agree. I think, um, you know, it was kind of weird how uh, his situation with the Browns were um, – you know, you with the success that they had at the end of the season when he was um, in charge, and then now he's his name is being thrown out there as you know, kind of wanting a job. And uh, yeah. so I, I think you know, it, it would be tough if I'm the Redskins. It'd be tough to not you know just just watch him get picked up somewhere else uh, when he's right there and he has the history. Um, but uh, at the same time, we know that Bruce Allen, the Redskins. And and Dan Snyder and all these guys, they don't necessarily make the decisions that we a want them to make and b expect them to make. So exactly, um, or or the, the moves that they should make. So yeah, we'll kind of keep an eye on that, and uh, definitely, you know, we'll we'll get into some some off. Well, the biggest stuff. thing here, Ben, is that when you look at it, the team was you know mediocre for the most part, and they always all the injury and all that stuff. Problem is. Uh, deep down is that you have to make some type of change. There's not one organization out there, uh, possibly, I guess you could say, that is going to not make a single coaching change for the most part in the entire organization. I mean, you have Torian Gray, they fired him, TV's coach, whatever. Um, and they're looking at uh, Allahan, the offensive line coach, and Jim Tuxul, the, the defensive line coach. I want them to keep most so they at the out the door next. And that's the biggest thing, in my opinion, is that the offensive line with all those guards coming in, Bill Callahan did work. I mean, he literally did as much work as he could bringing these guys out of Walmart, out of KFC, all the, out of out of Taco Bell, all these guys working these random street jobs out there, basically coming in and, hey, we need you to do something for us, protect our quarterback. And he actually did work. And basically, his coaching style helped. And, and, and made something out of out of nothing, basically, uh, at least for the first six guards that came in, not the 12. But at the same time, you look at Jim Sewell on the other side, Jonathan Allen, Ioannidis, Deron Payne, uh, and then all of a sudden some of the veteran backups and Tim Settle and whatnot, they got out of the draft last year as well out of Tech. He, he did so much uh, good for that defensive line. I mean, that, that was their brightest spot. Wow. Season, I should say. And that's the biggest thing I look at is, 
can't let these guys go. You got to make them happy. You got to change the culture because, I mean, look at Ben Kawika, the special teams coordinator. He said, can I go talk to somebody else? I'm under contract with you guys, but I'm going to go talk to somebody else. I want to get the hell out of here. I mean, that's a big thing. That's an eye-opening thing that they should look at because you can't have a coach, you know, being on national news basically saying, hey, uh, I want to go uh, to Atlanta. I want to go talk to this team because it's a better opportunity for my life. You know, it's a better opportunity for your life because you hate it here. That's the biggest thing. You're already under contract for us. You got the exact same gig over there. It's not like you promotion or anything of that nature. So overall, it's like the culture here is just so toxic that people want out. People want this. People want that. I haven't seen it get this bad where coaches are literally asking permission to go talk to other teams to be in touch with other teams so they can leave us. Like that's Not a good. big deal, man. Not good. So we'll keep our eye out on that. Uh, we'll we'll shift quickly away from the from the skins to the NFL as a whole here. Playoff time yeah. as uh, we went through the divisional round this past weekend, Mike and. We'll just kind of run through these again. The Chiefs take, uh, beat the Colts 31-13. So Mahomes oh, yeah. and company uh, advancing their first AFC championship uh, since 1993. You had the later game on Saturday. The news that made us all happy, of course, the Rams beating the Cowboys um, with the Rams rushing for 273 yards. It's the most a playoff game in Rams history. Um, yeah. so this was a game where we kind of were, were just assuming, hey, you know, the, the Rams are going to be able to take this. This game was, you know, a little close at times. But both games on Saturday, Mike, I, I didn't think either one was was super exciting um, yeah. for the most part. Um, there was, and then that like, kind of led into the, the Sunday game, which wasn't very exciting either. I mean, Patriots <laughs> um, over Chargers there, 41-28. Eighth consecutive AFC Championship. You might as well had um, just written their name in there already uh, when the playoffs started. Um, but this does set up kind of an interesting <coughs> AFC Championship matchup. Before I, I mentioned the last game, because um, now you have Chiefs and Patriots. You have a super high-scoring oh, yeah. Kansas City Chiefs and uh, electric offense there, and then you've got you know the Patriots, the mainstay, the old guard. I mean, this was. Um, was it last year in the AFC Championship where it was Jacksonville versus the Patriots? Is that correct? It was Bortles versus I believe so, New yeah. England. So, you know, it was kind of a uh, somewhat similar deal where you had kind of the young team that everybody liked and, and the Jags last year going against the old guard and Tom Brady and the Patriots. Everybody's sick of them. So this could set up a pretty interesting matchup. We'll get to that in a second. And then the final game on Sunday, another one that makes us happy. Um, the Eagles lost to the Saints 2014. Um, big comeback for New Orleans. They were down as many as 14, and they were able to come back. Obviously, the big pick uh, through the hands of Alshon Jeffrey um, at the end of that game. Um, so New Orleans was able to hang on and win that. So that sets up our matchups here. Is the, it will be Saints and Rams and then Patriots and Chiefs. And, Mike, I, I mean, as a football fan, I'm pretty happy with kind of the matchups that we're going to have for the two, the, the, the AFC and the NFC championships. I mean, I think these are going to be pretty good games. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I mean, going real quick back to the Dallas game, somebody was tweeting me at Storm16 if you want to follow me on Twitter personally. Um, basically, they were saying, like, how are the Cowboys overrated, this and that, blah, 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 blah. They're overrated because of the sole fact that you look at their last four games of the season. I mean, their offense ranked 17th in points per game. Their defense ranked 22nd points per game. And, and that's the biggest thing is, the last four games of the season is when you're supposed to be playing, making your playoff push. 
And that's when everyone said, oh, Dallas is so good. That was so hey, 22nd in defensive points per game over those four games. I mean, how is, you know, so, such a good defense? And then you see the Rams, you know, take them to the woodshed. The game was obviously a lot less closer than the score indicated. Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson basically ran all over them, 270 yards. You're supposed to have this huge, uh, you know, linebacking core with uh, a Van Der Esch, your draft pick, Sean Lee, and uh, and the, the other guy I'm, I'm missing. Um, but it's like, you're supposed to have this huge linebacking core. You get to Marcus Lawrence. All, I mean, all this stuff for Dallas. And then all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, L.A., they just casually you know, ran the ball 270-plus yards and scored 30 points like they always do. It's like... That's the biggest stage on Saturday primetime on Fox, and you, you know, basically that's the bet. That's the biggest thing. So it's like to me, I'm not impressed by Dallas at all. Everyone's going to say, "Oh, Dallas is going to be, you know, the the, the leader in uh, in the NFC East for the next decade with their, their core and all that stuff." Get out of here! You got Jason Garrett who you're going to re-sign. He sucks. He's worse than Jay Gruden. All I mean. When someone makes a meme out of you, of you clapping your hands, and it's all over Instagram, all over Twitter, all over this kind of stuff, and, and, and that's that's you know what you're known for is clapping your hands every single time something happens. I mean, during his press conference, he went out there and and everyone was saying, you would think that this guy just won the Super Bowl with how he's talking about his team after after this loss. Like, I'd be pissed. You know, you make it to the divisional round and you let this other team take you to the woodshed when Sean McVay, who you know how he coaches because he was with the Redskins, it's just like, how do you do that? It just makes no sense to me how people keep saying Dallas is so good. And they almost, I mean, then you look at Philly, and Philly, they, they didn't play that well at all. They had, they had a 14 nothing lead at the end of the first, and New Orleans ended up coming back. And that's that, that's good for us, obviously, as you said. But in my opinion, it's just it's just embarrassing for these NFC East teams. I mean, everyone's saying, "Oh, Nick Foles should possibly be the starter over Carson Wentz." Are you kidding me? That's that's a joke. I mean, let's be honest here. Carson, or Nick Foles, yeah, he's had some good postseason games and all that stuff, and they won the Super Bowl last year and whatnot. But Carson Wentz was an MVP caliber quarterback, you know, uh, last year. It's like. You know, he before he got hurt, he was MVP caliber quarterback. And you're saying you might want to trade him? Like, are you guys morons? Like, what what in the hell does that even mean? The funniest thing, <laughs> the funniest thing, Mike, was seeing the Philly fans on Facebook talk all the s to the Dallas fans when Dallas went down, and then yeah. Philly loses last night. That was the best exactly. part of it all. So both NFC East teams get dismissed, and now that kind of sets it up as. Uh, you know this this Sunday, three oh five Eastern Rams Saints on Fox, and then the oh, six forty yeah. game Patriots Chiefs. Um, you know the the Saints didn't play particularly well against uh, the Eagles, but at the same time, Mike, I have a hard time uh, betting against New Orleans, even though how good yep. the Rams have looked. I, I think this one, I think both games may end up being shootouts, and I think the. Um, uh, this this first game here. I think I'm still going to stick with New Orleans and Drew Brees. I think they pick it up this week. Um, I think it's going to be a battle, um, but I'm still thinking uh, New Orleans takes uh, the, the the championship there. And then I think uh, in the late game, man, I really hope uh, I hope the Chiefs can pull it off. I really, yeah. really do. But like they say, you can't bet against Brady and Belichick. <laughs> um, so I'll probably go Saints game one and Patriots game two. Yeah, I think in uh, the NFC, at least, I'm going to go Rams just because of the sole fact that New Orleans defense, they're not as good as I always think they are, or excuse me, that everyone else thinks they are because 
they just don't have those big names, big name guys. Demario Davis, the linebacker, is a very good linebacker, but to, to stop uh, the Rams' rushing attack with Todd Gurley, I mean, him out of the backfield is a big deal. And if Golf uh, in the dome, you know, with where there's no weather, I mean, the field was sloppy for the Rams in the Dallas game, and uh, you know, Golf was kind of off key, but he's still young and whatnot. But I think in a dome where the conditions are perfect, you know, climate control, all that kind of crap, I think they can pull it off. Uh, they're down three and a half in the spread right now to New Orleans, obviously uh, down in Louisiana. But I think I'm going to go with the Rams in that one and you one with the Saints. Uh, in the other game, I'm going to say the same thing as you, man. Uh, New, or- uh, New England, excuse me, they just demolished the Chargers. That was embarrassing. I don't, I don't even know why I watched it until the third quarter. It made no sense <laughs> to me. I was like 35-7. Yeah, this, this is the – I have nothing else better to do right yeah, now. Yeah, no, no point. Game. No point. You might as well watch <laughs> Mary Poppins or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Exactly, and scare, scare myself with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But then you have uh, this game for New England, and you know, it's, it, Casey is a different animal. Their defense isn't that good, but I just saw a tweet earlier today – um, that apparently it's supposed to be a huge dump, uh, a, a, a dump load of uh, truck dump load. I don't, I don't know what that, if that's a word. Dump load, uh, a dump truck. That's what I'm looking for. A dump truck load of snow all over the field um, for that game. So that could uh, take the speed of Tyreek Hill out of it. Um, and uh, New England with a running attack and how they play against the Chargers and their defensive defensive front seven. I'm, I'm going to go New England. I think New England's going to cover the spread. I think they're going to win, and I think they're going to win uh, possibly in a nail-biter because I think Kansas City might keep it close in the end. Well, after next weekend, we'll have our Super Bowl matchup, and Mike and I will go outside the Redskins and do a little Super Bowl pregame talk um, as we get closer to that. But that about wraps it up for our football talk here. Um, so let's now transition to a little basketball It's time to talk some Washington Wizards. Here comes Pierce with five seconds left. It is time to talk some whiz as the Washington Wizards uh, coming off a double overtime loss yesterday against the Raptors. You know, I was thinking about going to that game, but I knew the snow was going to be a situation. I didn't really know what it was going to be like trying to get to the Metro and getting back and walking through D.C. in the snow and all this stuff. I kind of regret not going, though, Mike. It was a double (laughs) overtime game. Bradley Beal gets a triple-double. The Wiz lose, but in exciting fashion. And now of late... The Wizards, while they're still not playing great, and they're five and five in their yep. last ten, um, they, things are now a little more interesting for the Wizards. Now, I was able to see this team on Friday. Uh, went down and watched them take on the Bucks uh, without Giannis. Giannis was there, but he did not play, um, which kind of sucked because that was the whole reason I was there. Um, but. Uh, the Wiz, you know, with Thomas Sandoransky getting a triple-double, um, with the outside shooting was working with Ariza and Green and obviously Beal playing terrific, suddenly this team's looking a little more exciting and more fun to watch than what they were uh, just a few weeks ago, really. Uh, and I don't know if that's all on John Wall, um, 
But I feel like there's a lot to, that's a lot to do with it because Mike, sometimes, and you know this, sometimes when you have a couple superstars on your team, the expectation is that those, especially if there are multiple, and, and we saw this happen with the Heat and the Big Three and how they struggled to play well together, and it happens almost on every team when you have multiple superstars, and you got to figure out, okay, well, how many touches does this guy have to have before he gets upset, um, or, or how many touches does this guy have to have, and things like that, and it, it almost isn't basketball anymore. Instead, it's ego, oh, yeah. ego stroking, and, oh, I got to make sure Wall gets this many shots and make sure Bradley Beal gets this many shots and things like that. But with the way the team is structured now, we're around one superstar in Bradley Beal, who's just putting up monster numbers. I think I, I sent you a text earlier. He's averaging like 35 or 37 points per game in all the games without wall and like seven yeah. or eight assists. And he's shooting his true shooting percentage is around like 40 or 50 percent. The guy's playing like a, a monster. But if, if your offense is suddenly around one superstar, that opens things up a little bit. Because obviously Bradley Beal is not going to shoot the ball every single possession. But now it's not there's no real number two. Too. It's kind of just a mixture of guys, and it's whoever's night is working. Like the game I went to, Ariza actually was shooting well from beyond the arc. The Wizards hit 18 threes. Sadoransky obviously was playing well. Uh, Bryant, I mean, suddenly it was multiple guys getting the job done, and the ball's moving around and being spread around. And you got Sadoransky, who's like more of a pass first guard, kind of a creating guy. Um, and, and, th- and suddenly things are fun when you watch these games. When in the games with John Wall, <laughs> Those weren't really fun. I mean, it was kind of every possession was very stagnant. It was a lot of one-on-one basketball. Oh, is Wall going to go take this shot and go one-on-one against this guy? Or is Bradley Beal going to – or is he going to pass to Beal at the last second and launch up a three? It was, there was no real movement with the offense. But, Mike, I mean, they're, 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 they're looking better. They're looking better, and that's all we can really ask for. I mean, they still sit in 11th place in the conference, but um, and we were talking about it. Sadoransky is a very, very interesting piece to this offense now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then if you, if you look at Sato and his stats uh, since John Wall has been injured, I mean, 12.6 uh, points per game, six uh, assists a game, six and a half rebounds, uh, only two turnovers a game, one and a half. But the biggest thing is he's shooting 50% from the field. And basically in that stretch, his highest goal attempted in a game is only 13. And I think field because... When you look at Sato and, and, and his game, obviously he's not, you know, this high commodity and all this kind of stuff that you want to say with John Wall and Russell Westbrook and all these other point guards out there that are, uh, you know, big, huge key contributors to the uh, to their organization. But when you look at his stats, I mean, 12 and a half points per game. I, I texted you this that, you know, I don't care if he scores three points a game. If he can get anywhere between six to ten assists a game, I'll take that all day. Because that means you have a legitimate point guard sitting there distributing the basketball and making sure that other guys have shots because that's the biggest thing that you look at Brad Beal is that if you remember a few years ago in the playoffs when John Wall got hurt, Bradley Beal had to you know be the point guard for that team. And that's not his strong suit. He's a shooter. You want to have him outside. You want to have him uh, you know off the dribble uh, or whatever it may be. I mean, look at Clay Thompson for the... Uh, for the, for the Warriors. The other night, he scored, what, 48 points, something like that, and he only dribbled the ball, I think it was uh, five times or something like that in the entire game. I mean, that's what you want your shooters to do. You want your shooters to be on the outside. You want your shooters to be at the uh, top of the keys, whatever it may be, wherever on the court they are going to be, and you want them to score the basketball in that sense. You want to have that just as the point guard. And I t- texted you as well, done with having a report. This game is more about 
uh, you know, the shooting guard, the small forward, like the Trevor Reza type guys that are, you know, uh, three and D, those kind of guys out there that can play defense, but also can shoot the basketball from deep. And, you know, the, the, the scoring per game is higher than it's ever been. So that's why Bradley Beal is now starting to excel because you now it doesn't have, like you said, John Wall there to steal possessions, to hold the ball down and not really doing it on offense and, and defense being lazy, different stuff. So, I mean, the record since the wall injury is five and four. Not great, but again, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a drop off no matter what because the sole fact that John Wall is an all star. Um, but I, I looking at before the injury, it was they were in twenty three. So right now they're technically on the upswing, <laughs> you know, to actually have a better record uh, if they if they play the same amount of games. But you know, with Wall now he's going to miss probably eighty games, uh, pretty much a season's worth in two seasons. Uh, with his injury proneness and uh, Sato is, just, you know, that, that's your guy. And I just think that if he can give us 12 and a half, six and six, I, I mean, I'll take that all day because you look at the turnover ratio, his turnovers aren't there. He only has 2.1 a game. I did the math uh, against Toronto in the double overtime game. He didn't single turnover. He didn't play well. Don't get me wrong. He had 13 field goals, only two uh, made. But overall, when you're looking at that, you know, a guy that ha- is shooting that much, uh, you could say that much, quote unquote, uh, with 13 shots, uh, you think he'd have more turnovers because he forced things. But at the same time, I mean, look, look at the game right before that. You even said it yourself triple double, 18 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. He had two steals in that game. Uh, but that's the thing is that it, it comes to the territory. When you got to, you know, be that guy, you got to used to being that guy. And John Wall is used but he's, he's starting to become a little, I guess you could say, too used to it. Now he's becoming that guy where he goes out and he has to be the superstar. And, you know, there's all this quote-unquote pressure on him and all this kind of stuff, um, which just, you know, screws over the locker room. So having Sato out there and the stats I just mentioned a couple times is a real big deal because I just want that facilitator out there that can just go out there and dish the rock to the shooters. Uh, Trevor Reese, a corner, you know, from, from the elbows, different that with with. with and uh, you, you've seen it. I mean, literally, if you look over their last few games, Ben, their defense has improved as well because against the 76ers in the back-to-back on the January 9th, they won only 106. They let up Milwaukee Bucks, uh, you know, with Giannis, 106 points, 98 to the Thunder. Uh, I mean, when you're looking at it, that that's a lot less points per game than they've been given in the past. So the team morale is improving. Their defense is improving. Bradley's taking over. I mean, you look at Bradley Beal and the games, John Wall's 43 points, 32, 34, 28, 33. Uh, he, he's going on fire and, and and making something out of nothing here. And uh, it, it's fun to watch, but um, I don't know if it's a little too little, too late kind of situation here after, you know, they had 36 games with you and only won 13 of those. Yeah, I did see, I think the Wizards offense is now actually, well, since the wall injury is like in the top 10 in the league um, between that period, like from that period on. And then I think the defense has risen from being at the bottom to now, like you said, kind of like middle of the pack to being maybe even a little higher than yep. middle of the pack. So they're definitely improving there. Let's play a little game here. We're going to play a little fact or fiction. Uh, has been a while since we've been played the games, but Mike and I, since we've been doing shows for so many years now, we've uh, we. I remember one of my favorite games was when we were on the the, the cable television. We had the whiteboards, and I think we would, <laughs> we would write like true or false or things like that, and uh, they right. would. They the cameras would zoom in on us um so that was uh, well, hey well we get our when we get our video elements going here in the next couple of weeks then 
you know, it's going to be a little bit better because we'll have those elements and we can start that more in. But uh, uh, we'll see when that comes around. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, but <clears throat> for now, we'll tie the fans over with a little fact or fiction here over the phone. We'll start with the first question. So the fact or fiction, the 2018-2019 Wizards are better with John Wall or without him. Fact. Well, I guess it would be for fact or fiction. You, it has to just be a statement. <laughs> You're the one that wrote this. It's got to be, it's got to say. It's, it's a, it is a statement. It's just, it just has a question mark at the end. Yeah, but if you're saying are better with John Wall or without, than without. Oh, okay. Than without him. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, no. Okay, yeah. I take it back. I had, I, had, I was throwing <laughs> some shade your way. I take that back. So our, uh, the Wizards are better with John Wall than without him. Fact or fiction? I will let you go first because I just insulted you. Okay, thank you. Um, uh, I'll have the floor. Um, so I think it's going to be a fact actually um and i think you might lean the same way as me um I, when playing out of his mind for the last you know you could say pretty much a decade i would assume I, i'm not exactly sure how many years he's been in the league but up, up to five to ten years you could say and really when he's been playing out of his mind i i said it multiple times i said it on our show multiple times uh for wgt or hctg um all that kind of stuff I've said it multiple times where this guy is one of the best uh, three to five point guards in the entire league. And now uh, with his, his injury proneness and all this uh, drama that he's he bringing to the team, going to the bar and everyone. I mean, when people are talking about going to the bar on the radio and different stuff like that, it's not a good thing. So when, when you're seeing this type of stuff uh, and the morale's gone down and now you see him uh, with a significant amount of games uh, without the team, and, uh, and the stats have been piling up for other guys that have been taking his place. I think it's a fact because, you know, you don't have Kelly Oubre out there now, which if Kelly Oubre was out there right now and, you know, making an impact with this team uh, without John Wall and Trevor Reza was gone, I think they'd even have a better record than five and five and four. I mean, honestly, that, that to me, that's a big deal losing Kelly Oubre. But a fact uh, in this statement is because of the sole fact that what they've had, what Bradley Beal has done, taking over this team, even Jan Mahimi has actually done a couple good things here and there, which is surprising. But to have these type of games in the last eight games, or excuse me, nine games, uh, with Wall out, I think it's a pretty big deal. And I'm going to go with the fact that they are better right now without Wall. So then you're then you were fiction. Because the statement is, are better with John Wall yes, than without. Okay, it. got it, got it, got it, got it. You screwed me over earlier. Because now, now I'm doubting myself with, yeah. my, with, with my statements. Here. So, so I'm actually going. <laughs> I, I agree. I'm going fiction as well for for a couple different reasons. So, um, I, I think the John Wall of you know maybe four or five seasons ago. I think they would be they were in a better situation with him. Um, but the John Wall now, at least for the past couple of years. He'll have monster games, yes, but those monster games seem to only be against you know your top quality opponents. You know, Lakers come to town and John Wall goes off. Okay, great, but to be a true leader and to be a guy that uh, wants to win MVPs and things like that, he's got to have that type of effort every single night, and it's and it's not easy, of course. But of late, the past couple seasons, I haven't really seen that from John Wall. I've seen him lapse on the defensive end when he used to say, hey, I want to try to win defensive player of the year. I want to be the toughest um, guard uh, 
uh, d- defender um, there is, and he doesn't really do that anymore. And uh, you know, he is definitely a score first point guard, which is okay in today's league. But um, yeah. if you're going to be like that, uh, you know, you got to be able to bring it. And I still see John Wall miss a ton of shots. He miss a miss a ton of threes. Turn the ball over all the time. Some, you know, he's not. Uh, he he just is not the top quality guard that maybe he thinks he is. I think he's good, of course, of course. He's really he's one of the best, but he's not the best. Um, and I think one of the big problems with the Wizards over the past couple of years is they will get really cocky and talk a lot when they really haven't done anything to back it up. And John Wall is a big part of that. He's a guy who has a chip on his shoulder. He's a guy with a ton of uh, confidence, and that's what you want. But at the same time, if you can't back it up, and the Wizards can't uh, because they have not made the Eastern Conference Finals, they've been losing um, in, in you know the, uh, the, the, the series before, and uh, they haven't been able to get to the NBA Finals and things like that. You have no reason to talk. You got to stay humble. Um, and I just well, don't the feel second like... round is like their NBA championship. Apparently. Exactly, exactly. So I, I, I just uh, I I like what I've seen without him on the floor. I mean, last year and this year, I think it just becomes more of a team game than a, a couple superstar games, like I talked about earlier. So yeah, I'm gonna stick with fiction on this one as well. Um, let's see, the Wizards will attain a playoff spot. Higher than the seventh seed. So currently, the Wizards sit in the 11th spot, and we are, you know, a little over, uh, what are we, about a third of the way through, over a little over, actually almost halfway through the season at this point. <laughs> Man, the season's flying by. So we're, yeah. we're about halfway through, um, and the Wizards sit at 11. Um, so we're talking about, in this scenario, climbing higher. Uh, climbing four spots and more. So uh, five spots or higher in the standings. I'm going to go with fiction on this one. I just I, I just think it's too big of a hill to climb. I think to get to that sixth seed, um, you have to start off the season better than this. Um, and even if the Wizards play you know, probably above 500 ball the rest of the way, I, I just don't see them getting to that uh, – you know, sixth seed area. I think they'll be lucky to get an eighth seed, and I don't think they should, you know, try to get in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I would, I would rather they're in the playoffs than not because you're at least giving yourself a chance. But at the same time, yeah. a first-round exit is never fun. And But then again, the alternative um, is a really bad draft pick, too. So uh, the Wizards really are – I'd rather either they tank all the way or, they, or they're good enough to finish like eight or seven. But I just don't – I don't really think – I don't really see them. They'd have to win a lot of basketball games, Mike, to get higher um, than the sixth seed. So I'll go fiction here. Yeah, right now, the biggest thing is put higher than the seventh seed because of the sole fact that the Nets right now are only three games right now ahead of the Wiz. And that's the thing is that you look at it, well, I think they're in, but I also don't think they're playing, you know, great basketball. That's the thing is you look at it, you know, these guys are trying, but they're not trying hard enough to make it, you know, anything worth our while because they're not going to get a lottery pick. Because uh, they're not going to be one of the, the bottom five feeders um, like the Bulls, Knicks, and the Cavs. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know, man. It's just its just something embarrassing to look at because you, you look at their away record, they're 5-18, and 18, and the Cavs are only won nine games. They actually are 4-18 and 18 on the road. So it's like the Wizards on the road are almost as bad as the Cavs, which is pretty bad. But I'm going to go fiction as well. Um, 
you know, your Detroit Pistons, I think they're a better ball club. They actually got uh, another big superstar in Blake Griffin. Andre Drummond is on their team. They got, I mean, they got a bunch of good pieces, so uh, I'm sure they're going to get on a run. I think they're actually going to have the better shot to make it into the playoffs over the Magic, uh, Nets, and Hornets, honestly, in my opinion. But to make it all the way up to where the Heat are right now, the Heat are one game over 500. Um, they're playing pretty decent basketball. They're actually playing better on the road than they are at home. In my opinion, I think it's going to be a fiction just because the sole fact that, like you said, the Wizards are too deep of a hole now where they have to go on a run, where they have to start winning two out of every three games uh, just to start making some of that ground up because it's not like you have it in baseball. There's 162 games and you have to go out there and win series. Like this thing, you have to win almost every single night now uh, because, you know, you have to get, I would say the the eighth seed at least is going to be uh, – I would probably say the eight seed is going to be in the, in the mid four or I would say, I would say probably uh, low forties and the wizards are only have 18 wins right now. So as a whole, you, you got to get on a nice little run here, but with how the East has shaped up and uh, you know, you play in some other Western conference teams, you're not going to have the lucky game like you had against the thunder a few nights ago and all that kind of stuff where, you know, the thunder you won your first OKC and all that kind of stuff. So Overall, the Wiz have to really get a nice room and get some help from other people, but I'm still going with fiction, going higher than a seven seed. Next question. Someone will make a play at Otto Porter or John Wall before the trade deadline. Now, obviously, the Wall move would be kind of a similar situation where with the Warriors, when they were kind of signing DeMarcus Cousins, knowing that he was going to be hurt for a while. So it would be kind of the same situations where you'd basically be trading for John Wall, knowing that he isn't going to be available really for this season, and you're focusing a little bit more on next season. So uh, that's yeah. the big that's the big question here is, it, but you know, between him and, and Otto Porter, I mean, will somebody make a play at one of these guys? before the trade deadline i will let you go first here fact or fiction i mean honestly i i'm gonna say fiction just because of the sole fact that you you look at what had transpired over the last uh, i would say about a week and a half two weeks and it, like there's so many stories out there that oh yeah you know this team is you know the pelicans are looking at auto porter oh okay the, the lakers might want john wall but there hasn't been any you know developing story that is, you know, I guess you could say true enough to the point where uh, we can actually have a definitive answer that they're going to do something with these two guys. And the biggest thing that I'm looking at as well with the Wizards and the trade, uh, you know, I guess you could say all the trading itself uh, is that Bradley Beal, again, is getting people are getting offers are giving offers for Bradley Beal. But we don't want to do that because if you get rid of Bradley Beal, who you know came into that league or into the league at 19, the guy still has so many years uh, still left uh, in, in the gas tank, and that's the thing is you don't want to give away him. So right now, with everyone trying to you know get Bradley Beal, that's like the one guy we don't want to get rid of. So um, you know, and, and uh, are the assets going to be you know uh, Mike Miller and Randy Foley type thing again in a, in a second round draft pick? Something stupid like that. So I'm just I just look at it and I'm just like. We have to keep, you know, Bradley Beal, but I'm going to go definitely fiction on this one because I mean, the the payroll for the for our organization is so high to the point where it's it's kind of hilarious to me uh, when when you look at it here, Ben, because the payroll for this team is actually seventh in the NBA, which is embarrassing because if you have that much payroll, you should be actually winning some games, <laughs> you know, with the other teams like Golden State, Toronto, Houston, Portland, and Milwaukee are right around where you're at, you know? So 
that's the biggest thing in my mind. But I, I, I say don't get rid of Bradley Beal, but I, for this question in particular, I'm definitely going fiction for these two guys. Yeah, I think I think that Beal just seems to be the guy that teams would be more interested in, like you said. I mean, I know, uh, you know, I follow a lot of Pistons blogs and things like that, and I know they're super, super interested in trying to figure out um, if they can get Bradley Beal and possibly sending Andre Drummond to D.C., which actually would kind of work out for everybody, to be honest, because yeah. the Wizards need a big man, And uh, but, but parting ways with Bradley Beal would be tough. So, yeah, I, I don't see a team taking a chance on John Wall right now. Um, just because of the injury and because this is a second season in a row where he's been injured. And uh, I think there's a lot of question marks with him. And then with Otto Porter, I mean, now he's a guy coming off the bench. He's more of a role player almost at this point. Um, <laughs> Seriously. So, I mean, I don't know if there's really a team that desperately needs, you know, a three and D guy off the bench and he's not really much of three anymore. And, you know he's a little bit of D, and I don't. I don't really know. I, I agree. I, I, I said fiction as well. I don't think teams will make a move after those two guys. The guy that I'm worried about, and you're worried about, is Bradley Beal, um, because we would love to keep him here. Um, so that's kind of where I I, I think things are yeah. going to shape out. Where um, I, I think well, going along with this question, not to interrupt sure. you, but going along with this question, you know, with the out of forcing thing, like you just mentioned, coming off the bench. Don't you think that um, Scott Brooks in this situation would want to play him as much as possible to see if he could get out of that rut so they can have more of a, I guess you could say, more of a repertoire for his game this season? Because you can't go, like, oh, well, last season this, he did this. And the other season, like, I think this season, don't you think he should bet or take him off the bench and start him and just come out of this rut without having Kelly Oubre in his shadow? You would think, you would think, but, you know, they, they've been going with Ariza, um, and I don't really know why, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I, I think I would probably start Porter than Ariza. I think they like Porter, maybe just feeling that less pressure coming off the bench and where maybe he's, I mean, he looked good on Friday, and he's been playing pretty well um, of late. Definitely he isn't forcing it as much as he did when he was a starter, but but I agree. I mean, I think where this team is in the shape, I mean, would you rather have Otto Porter starting every night or Trevor Ariza? And I think the answer for most people would be Otto Porter. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out. And, and Scott Brooks, again, there's there's some stuff going on in his head that I just don't understand. <laughs> uh, he makes some strange, strange decisions. But for the NBA as a whole, before we uh, move on from the NBA, uh, quick update on the standings as we are um, for some teams past the halfway point in the season. So oh, yeah. the in the East, we've got Toronto, uh, followed by Milwaukee, Indiana, Philadelphia, Boston, Miami, Brooklyn, and Charlotte. That is the playoff picture uh, for the East right now. So Toronto just crushing teams. They're 33 and 12. Um, and then you got the Bucks trailing right behind them and some in the mix, you know, Philly and Boston. So right now it's kind of setting up, you know, as a Toronto, Charlotte. Uh, but I think, you know, the 4-5 matchup is kind of where my eye is. Is If oh, yeah. Philly, Boston in, in the first round could be pretty interesting. Um, if that's how that happens. So the Wizards sit in the 11th spot. And then in the West, Denver uh, leads the the league there. But Golden State's right on their heels as uh, the Warriors have won eight of their last ten. Um, so, so Denver currently in first, but Golden State half game back. So they probably will end up overtaking the Nugs. Uh, Oklahoma City sits in three. Portland at four. Clippers at five. Houston at six. San Antonio at seven. And LeBron's Los Angeles Lakers hanging on 
with the eighth seed. Um, so right now you're looking at you know some interesting matchups of Golden State, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Houston. You know there's some interesting storylines um, there as far as the playoffs set up. Um, but but yeah, Mike, that's kind of where we sit right now. Not a ton of you know surprises right now. I, I thought the Lakers were going to be worse. Um, yeah. Now they have lost three of their last ten, uh, so they very well may fall out of playoff favor. I was kind of hoping that Luka Doncic and the, and the and the Mavs would kind of fit into the playoffs, but uh, we'll keep our eye. Yeah, and of course the team that is just absolute garbage. Poor Cleveland, <laughs> poor Cleveland, but I don't feel bad for them at all. They sold their soul for LeBron. They got a ring, and he left town. Nine <laughs> and thirty-five on the season. Oh man, it's so funny to just look at it. It's like nine thirty-five. The funny thing is that no matter how, I, th- I think the LeBron factor makes that even worse. But you look at the Knicks, Bulls have only won one more game than them. <laughs> so it's like you know, I just I just think that it's so funny to look at you know two perennial cities in, in Chicago and New York having two teams that are absolute garbage and that are, have no relevancy at all playing on any court at any one time, but. Honestly, you can just tell how different the West and the East are. Uh, with LeBron not being on the Cavs, they suck. It's almost like Peyton Manning when they went to Curtis Painter and all these other guys when he got hurt and his all-time neck injury with the Colts and the NFL. But you're looking at the Cavs and just how terrible they are without LeBron on the team. And then LeBron, you know, everyone said like, oh, he can make any team, you know, go to the NBA Finals. Well, that's untrue because you look at it right now. They're 23 and 21. Like you said, only won three of their last 10 and they're on a two game losing streak as, as it is right now. And it, it's just, it's kind of funny because you can just see how the cast teams uh, to the one, two and three seeds pretty much in the East. And they didn't have a single player and the Lakers, they actually got some decent pieces with Ingram ball um, and uh, whatever the other guy's name is Kuzma. You know, they actually have some decent pieces that are a lot better than the Cavs piece. I mean, think about it. You know, LeBron took, you know, Mo Williams, uh, you know, to the NBA finals, I'm sure. And he sucks. You know, you look at it, and the Lakers have a lot of younger pieces, easier pieces to uh, to work with for the, for the most part. And they're the eighth seed. So as a whole, man, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to see the Western Conference, how that shakes up. Like in the East with the Celtics and the Sixers. It's going to be fun to try to see possibly uh, the Thunder go against the Rockets or something of that nature. But you can't really, you know, look at the playoffs right now just because the sole fact the Rockets are twenty four and eighteen and they're in the sixth seed and they're only two games behind the three seeds. So that's where it really comes down to uh, in both uh, conferences. Is there's so much changing in the last, I guess you could say, two weeks to the point where it's going to be very difficult to predict. But it's always fun just to look at it and say like, oh, I would love to see this matchup, but. Definitely, like you said, the Sixers and the Celtics would probably be the round one matchup that I would most like to see as the standings shake up right now. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think, and I agree, I think the West kind of has beaten up on each other, um, and they're going to continue to do so for the rest of the year, so we'll see where that shakes out. Oh, yeah. Time to transition a little bit, Mike. Time to hit the ice. Eller for the draw! And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974. The Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. 
and we're on to the Washington Capitals right here at Capital One Arena, one of these great teams that we actually have in D.C. Hard to say that for most of them, but we have two great teams and we saved them for last here on the D.C. Crossover. Once again, thank you all for tuning into the D.C. Crossover right here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play Music. Check out our website, dccrossover.com. We will have a 2018 sports recap uh, written by our very own Jeremy Batka here coming up soon. Uh, and then also we're going to have a lot of uh, other new elements, as Ben and I mentioned last week, uh, with video elements, a different format for our, our shows here, and uh, just a lot more content coming up. So definitely check us out, dccrossover.com. Also, DC Crossover Podcast on Facebook and also at the DC Crossover on Twitter. And uh, our podcast is our main element, so definitely check out in the three formats. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play Music. On to the Capitals right here, Mr. Simpson. And really, the Caps so far have been uh, very impressive, uh, to say the least. Scoring goals left and right, and then you know winning games they sh- they they should be you know uh, not winning for the most part. You could say, even though it's kind of hard to say that because they won the cup last year. But at the same time, some of these teams uh, are up there, like the Maple Leafs and stuff like that. These up and coming teams uh, should possibly beat the Caps in those different situations. But overall, uh, heading into the All Star Gate, there's there's or excuse me, All Star break. They're just really uh, riding the ship here and uh, and playing really good hockey. Yeah, like you said, I mean, they had kind of some struggles here and there, and they've had some lapses, and a couple weeks ago, they were kind of in the midst of one of those, and since then, I mean, they've continued to find their groove. I mean, 6-2-2 in their last 10, uh, they they are coming off the overtime loss, but um, they they get the Blues tonight, and uh, another opportunity to win, and and some of the big storylines with them are uh, what isn't Brooks Orpik hitting like a thousand games or something like that? Um, it, yeah, one thousandth yep. uh, career NHL game tonight. So you know that's going to be, um, you know, they they say you know it's going to be emotional. But with these hockey guys, I feel like they're never emotional unless they win a cup. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just one of those kind of neat things. And you know, I've read some stories of late about how you know Brooks Orpik is a big reason why the teams. Uh, you know, locker room and mentality is the way it is. And so that's always nice to see. And, um, you know, I, I it, again, it continues to be one of those years for the Caps. I mean, if, if the Caps hadn't won the Cup last year, Mike, I think this would still be, you know, the, I think the Caps still, even with winning the Cup, kind of fall under the radar a bit. Because like oh, you yeah. said, I think a lot of eyes and ears and uh, people are watching, you know, Tampa Bay and Toronto and Boston, and they're kind of forgetting about the Metro a little bit. Um, and I think they're overlooking uh, mainly because, you know, the, the, the the uh, the Lightning just have been so damn good um, this year. But I, I think, uh, you know, the Caps are one of those teams. They're just steady, man. And you see it when you watch them play. I mean, they're a well-oiled mm-hmm. machine. They're steady night in and night out. They've given some young guys some chances on the lines. And um, and then, you know, the, the the usual suspects have been the usual suspects as far as playing great. So they've been, they've been solid of late, Mike. And I think they're just going to play like this the rest of the year. I think they're just going to be a reliable team that, you know, wins two of every three or so and uh, finishes at the top of the Metro and then, you know, goes after it in the playoffs. Yeah. And looking at what you just mentioned about Toronto, they've recently with the uh, overtime loss to Columbus, getting those two uh, solo points recently in the overtime losses, they moved ahead of the Maple Leafs by one game. So now they are finally tasting second place in the Eastern conference, which is 
a pretty big deal coming out. But yeah, man, just like you were saying, the last uh, week or so has been very impressive uh, ever since the uh, you know three games and five day stretch uh, with you know Dallas, the Achilles heel of the Caps, uh, losing overtime to them with Tyler Sagan. Uh, that beautiful pass um, by, by, uh, by their their young defenseman, and then obviously having St. Louis lost, which St. Louis is kind of garbage this year. But you know that was a, a big letdown. Then the Nashville New Year's Eve game, when they basically played at the break of dawn, uh, which is kind of ridiculous in my opinion. But literally, it just that you know, look at as a resiliency. I talked to you about it before uh, against Detroit, Philly, and Boston. They won three straight after that little three game stretch. Um, uh, of losses basically and you know they held columbus with a goal from you know i guess it was the first minute of the game all the way until the overtime period so really when you're looking at it i think that the resiliency of this team knowing that hey you know we won a cup last year we can win these games late you know uh, if we lose one or two here the city's not going to come crashing down on us uh is it, a real big thing because i i think that you know when you look at this team and now what the impact of winning a cup has done to the media uh, per se and the fan base, the fan base has always been behind them, but the media has always rained down their parade every single time they go out and win 50 plus games or this and that, whatever it may be, you know, saying, Oh, just, just wait to the playoffs, just wait to the playoffs. That's what they always say is just wait to the playoffs when, Hey, last year we won a cup. So waiting to the playoffs isn't a big deal anymore because Hey, we won that cup and that for the next decade, that's going to be good. That's going to be in the back of our mind saying, Hey, Remember that cup run? That was amazing. Remember when they were doing keg stands out of the cup? That was awesome. You know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, the resiliency of this team and the, the mantra, the mentality, every single uh, night uh, going into the Capital One Arena or wherever they're, they're heading to is definitely something that is, uh, is fun to watch, in my opinion. And I definitely think winning uh, those three games after that three-game skid, two of those on the road uh, at Little Caesars in Detroit and at TD Garden in Boston were, were two really big games, especially that being the first game against Boston since the season opener when Marchand beat, was a, was an ass pretty much and uh, sucker punched Lars Eller. And Lars Eller said, hey, let's have a real fight today. And he shied away from it uh, like a little loser. So, um, you know, that's the, that's the nicest way I should say it. But overall, um, definitely the resiliency is my initial reaction so far. Uh, over the last, uh, you could say, over the last uh, two weeks or so. Yeah, and then you had Marshan come out and be like, well, I didn't want to fight a 10-minute-a-night guy or something like that. It was just like, dude, what are you talking about? He like, said that? I didn't yeah. say that. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. You should go Jeez, look it up, man. man. He was saying, uh, he was like, yeah, I didn't feel like it was worth it to fight a 10-minute-a-night guy when you know, Lars Eller averages like 18 minutes a game or something, 18 or 20, and like is, you know, uh, a terrific Yeah, I mean, it's just, it was, it was stupid. It was, it was stupid. Well, they haven't, they haven't beat the Caps in what, 15 games? Yeah. Something like that. It's like, get out of here, man. Yeah, like, go, go win, go win a game against the net, the Stanley Cup champs. Like, go win a game. Like, stop, stop trying to shy away from this and that. I mean, it, it's just embarrassing. He's, he's just embarrassing himself. And at this point, I don't think he really cares. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. So, so this week for the Caps, it's uh, the Blues tonight, and then a tough game against the Preds tomorrow. So it's a, it's, it's a kind of a tough back to back. I mean, you have get catching Nashville on the second half of the back to back, and then, uh, yeah. and then they got the Islanders on Friday. Uh, you know, you're coming off of a week where you win three of four, and you have one uh, overtime loss in there, and now you've got a back to back coming up. I mean, do you see the Caps? able to take you know two of three of this week possibly sweep in the week or, or what are kind of some of your thoughts 
Well, honestly, when you look at the Caps uh, situation this this week, as you mentioned, they got the Blues tonight. They have to beat the Blues. They can't have a letdown like they did a couple weeks ago, um, you know, and, and then have the back-to-back against Dallas and lose that one in overtime. The biggest thing is they got them at Capital One Arena tonight. They got to come out fast, come out firing all cylinders, um, you know, and, and basically come out with that victory because they need that victory because of the sole fact uh, you know, your next five games, you have three teams in there that are perennial powerhouses this year with Nashville, San Jose at home, at least, and Toronto to end uh, uh, the first half of the season. So they got to come out with a win against the Blues, the Preds. Hopefully they can squeak by with maybe a, at least a point in that game. That'll be that'll be nice if they can squeak by with that. Uh, they got Barry Trotz uh, returning back to Capital One Arena with the Islanders. The Islanders, you know, they have a decent record this year. They're not they're not terrible. Uh, but they're not they're, they're kind of mid-pack, you know, 25-15-4, seventh seed right now right behind Pittsburgh. But looking at it, their defense is what holds their team together. They have the lowest, or excuse me, the second lowest goals against average uh, in the entire East. So you got to watch out for them. But the Caps, obviously, one of the best goal-scoring teams in the whole entire NHL. Uh, right now they sit at 154 goals for, and that is, uh, I believe, fourth in the East in goals for uh, on the offensive end. But hopefully they can... Uh, take two out of three, like you mentioned this week. Next week, or excuse me, on Sunday, they got uh, the Blackhawks. Blackhawks obviously have uh, some good uh, some good sticks over there, but they're having a real off year. Very very you know suspect year. How Chicago's going, firing their coach, this and that, all that kind of jazz. Uh, but then they got San Jose at home. Uh, you know Eric Carlson, you know uh, uh, Burns. I mean all these type of guys uh, for San Jose that have been there for so long. Uh, Carlson trying to give them that extra juice uh, with Burns as well. But I think the biggest thing that comes down to it, Ben, is these next four games. Okay, I, I hope they can win three out of three out of those four. Uh, but then the twenty second, twenty third back to backers, like you mentioned, those are going to be very, very crucial here um, because you want to end the first half right. And those are two very good teams you could possibly see in the playoffs. So uh, hopefully, out of these next six games, I, I think they might win four, and that's going to be my prediction. I think they'll win against St. Louis. I think they're going to beat the Islanders, beat Chicago, and split either the San Jose or Toronto game. Uh, We didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. We we mentioned Ovechkin skipping the All-Star game, but we didn't really discuss our thoughts on that um, because I'm sure uh, anytime a guy skips a All-Star game in any sport, there is going to be criticism uh, levied their way about, you know, is this fair to the fans um, to for the guy, for one of the best players in the league to sit out um, in one of the biggest stages where, you know, the argument on the on the opposite side is that, you know, this is. Uh, I, I, I mean, these are entertainment businesses, and um, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the fans, and the fans are the ones, uh, you know, helping these owners strike these big checks because the fans are the ones paying the money um, oh, yeah. for the tickets and for the uniforms and for the food, and um, you know, this the All Star Games, while silly at times, are designed to give um, kind of showcase the league, the best of the best. Um, of the league uh, for the fans' enjoyment, not only at the game, but on TV and things like that. And a casual fan can watch the All-Star game and and be told, these are the best guys um, out there right now. And in in this scenario in particular, Alex Ovechkin uh, would not be playing um, to, you know, uh, to the sadness of, you know, hockey fans. And then, you know, the, the other side of the argument is, you know what, you know, yes, it is a business, but at the same time, it's about guys doing what's best for them and their bodies. And if Alex Ovechkin feels like, hey, look, it will be a detriment 
to my team if I don't sit out uh, for the all-star break and kind of do some recovering and, um, and, and kind of just get my body right for hopefully another Stanley cup playoff run. And if, and he's been in the league long enough that he knows his body more than anybody. And he knows what takes, uh, what it takes to, to get ready for a playoff run. And, you know, the all-star game doesn't really mean anything. So, you know, it's, uh, there's kind of two sides of it. And Mike, I'm not sure which side you land on. I I'm, kind of lean towards the players side as far as you know whatever these guys got to do um and if 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 uh alex ovechkin sitting out the all-star game means he's going to be healthy and uh have some longevity longevity and uh make a playoff run and be at his best then yeah i don't really care i mean i think he he can do he can sit out the next couple weeks of the season if if it you know if that's going to help him win a stanley cup then that's what he's got to do yeah, and that's the biggest thing is that the All Star Game, you know, weekend is you know about five days long or something like that. He's done it for so long where it's like, yes, people want to see him, but at the same time, the guy is getting old. Like you know, you know Mother Nature and Father Time don't you know uh, skip a beat when it comes to uh, especially hockey players and how physical the game is and the way he plays the game isn't like a uh, like a guy like um, I, I can't even think of a guy right now. Like uh, what's the guy? Uh, um, who was who his name? Yami Yager. <laughs> I, knew, I knew his name, uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't think of it right off the top of my head. He's, he's not like a Yami or Yager type guy that doesn't you know, go out there and seek hits and, and try to be, have that physicality. And, and Yami Yager, don't get me wrong, isn't an Alex Ovechkin because Alex Ovechkin is a different breed of animal. But looking at this, I have no care in the world if he skips it or not. I might tune into it because um, I usually tune into it you know, for the skills competition and stuff like that. But... You know the the games don't care like and then they're scoring like you know twelve goals and, and this and that and all this kind. Of, it's like I mean yeah they're all great players but no one cares about that kind of stuff. It's just like any other thing because it doesn't mean anything. You know there's not really um, anything that comes out of winning the games or doing this or doing that whatever. So you know it's it's fair to fans because they get to see him play eighty two games a year on TV. Now yes obviously if you're on the West Coast you don't get to see him unless you got the NHL uh, center ice pass or whatever else it's called. But in my opinion, it's just, you know, let the guy, you know, do what's right for himself. You know, it's like this is an all-star game. It's not like he's not participating in the Olympics because he, you know, has some viewpoint on politics or something like that. Like, it's, it's like it's an all-star game. You know, it's like I said, it's not like you're letting down your country. You know, he's not he's not sitting out of the, you know, the the, the Olympics for Russia, you know, playing hockey and that's going to lose them a, a gold medal. You know, it's like it's not that big of a deal. So I, I could care less, honestly. Um, you know, personally, I, I, the only thing I do care about is that he's on my team. <laughs> so, you know, he's making a decision to help our team, which is a huge deal. But that comes with a one game suspension, which honestly, I could care less about that as well, uh, because it doesn't really matter. I mean, the game that he is missing uh, is a big game against Calgary, um, which will be uh, will, will be a big deal um, because they, they got a nice home stretch coming up. But the game against Calgary, who is leading the West right now, which is another fun story to talk about. Uh, will, will be a big deal, but hopefully coming off the rest, uh, you know, Calgary and the cast might be, you know, kind of on thin ice, you know, with all that rest and not really being in the same groove they have been all season. So in my opinion, I, I don't really care. I, I, I rather him sit out just so he can, you know, recoup, recoup, recovery, have some family time and not have to go please people out in, you know, sunny California or something like that, just to, you know, make them smile. Like I could care less about them right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you uh, again. It's, it's one of those things where with the 
you know, but back in the day when, you know, there was only a couple channels here and there and, you know, yeah. you didn't get a chance to see these guys that you're in. But now with all the TV contracts and things like that, I mean, the, the caps are probably on Wednesday night hockey in America or whatever, you know, uh, once a month. I mean, you you, yeah. you 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 can see you can catch these teams uh, in the. Uh, just throughout the regular season all the time. So um, I'm with you. I think uh, there, there's nothing, there's no reason uh, for, for Alex Ovechkin to, uh, you know, give his body to the point where it could be a detriment to him um, for, to, to, I mean, just let him skip. Like you said, let him, uh, <laughs> I don't care. It's fine. He's going to start the penalty. Who cares? <laughs> like, let it be. Yeah. I, that's fine with me. Um, any other things you wanted to chat about here as far as the caps go? And, it, and it's funny cause you had mentioned, uh, at the start of the segment about how, um, you know, the, the only team to be proud of. And, and I was thinking of, uh, about it over the weekend. I was thinking, I was like, man, there were two teams in DC that need a culture change and two teams that, um, don't like two teams that have good culture. And the two teams that have good culture right now are, um, the, the Washington Nationals and the Washington Capitals and the two that need a culture change are the Washington Redskins and the Washington Wizards. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of funny how that's uh, that's shaped out. Yeah, um, no doubt. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, is there any worries you have as far as I mean, obviously, the Caps are playing really, really well and um, there's not a lot. But there's not a lot to point to to be worried about. But at the same time, every you know, there's been a few things here and there where if you had to be picky and you had to pick something to be worried about, um, is there anything on your mind as far as, hey, man, I, I hope they kind of clear this up? I mean, really, when you're looking at it, we can talk more about it, uh, you know, when the All-Star uh, you know, break uh, commences and do like a little like half-season, mid-season kind of thing. But Overall, to me, when I look at what's happened over the last uh, month, you could say, uh, since their shootout win over Carolina, their power play has been real bad. And they, they said that on, on the TV broadcast each every single night that their their power play is just not up to snuff right now. People are, are and, and this actually happens uh, to almost every single team that has a good power play every single year because, you know, you, you go out there and you have a, a few bad nights where you go over three, over four, over four, and then. People start saying, okay, why are these other teams stopping it? And when we play them in the next two days, what should we do to stop their power play? And that's what everyone's seeing now. And that's what Barry Trotz over the last few years has done is they adjust their power play. They, 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 they know what to do. And with a rut like this, the all-star break couldn't come sooner enough because they're three for 41 in their power play since the December 14th shootout win over Carolina. And I just think that that's a big deal that they should look at because that's only 7%. I mean, 7% is not a lot, <laughs> you know? So when you're looking at their power play uh, and having the scores and the passers that they have, because they have some of the, the best passers in the league with Kuznetsov and Backstrom, I think that's a big deal uh, in, in their whole entire game outlook. Even though they're winning games, uh, you have to capitalize when other teams make mistakes. And right there over the last month, they have not capitalized on their power play. Any any other things besides the power play that uh, come to mind? Uh, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing to, uh, to me, at least, uh, I got two more real quick anecdotes that I'll, that I'll say before we give a little standings and move on the Nats talk. Uh, the goals against. I, I mentioned to you that the defense has been really, uh, you know, not horrific, but they haven't been up to snuff uh, in the last month with their defense. 36 goals against is a heck of a lot of goals to let up. Obviously, there's two go two games there where they let up 11 of those 36, but still. You can't be giving up three, four goals a night and uh, either leaving it Hopi or Copley, whoever's out there, to dry 
uh, because Hopi is actually since the beginning of the season he's played a lot better, um, and he's uh, he's getting back up to the to that Vesna uh, type status. But then you know their shot differential also uh, is a big part of that because 16 of their last 27 games they've been outshot, and we all know that the same thing for the power play. You got to put pucks on net to score. You know, you, you can't, and that's how mistakes are happening uh, with goalies. When you, when you, know, you don't have to shoot 50 times a game, but you can't be outshot by 15, uh, you know, uh, shots a game. Because that's, that's just showing you that the, your game plan that night is, is, is kind of not up to snuff for that game or for that team. Because I know Todd Reardon, you know, this is going to be his first head coaching experience, at least in the NHL. He was with the, uh, the Scranton uh, Wilkes-Barre Penguins, you know, in the AHL, but that's a little bit different than the NHL. So this is his first year, so obviously I think these are a lot of learning curves for them. But hopefully, maybe Brian McClellan can make a move or two, uh, either in the trades or maybe just you know after the season to see if they can bolster that that defense because they got the young pieces, but mostly, mainly they are on offense. As far as do you want to move on to standings? Let's do it, man. All right, let's take a look here. So. The way the Atlantic is shaping out is the Lightning, as we mentioned, 72 points on the year, followed by Toronto and then Boston in the Met. Uh, you've got the Caps, followed by Columbus and Pittsburgh. And then the Wild Card, you've got the Islanders and Montreal. And then over to the Western Conference, you've got Winnipeg, Nashville, and Dallas f- filling out the Central. And then the Pacific, you've got Calgary, the Sharks, and Vegas. The one, two, and three in the Pacific. And then the Wild Card, Colorado and minnesota so we'll start back with the east so mike any you know surprises i mean i know um you know there's teams like carolina that's kind of hanging around buffalo that's kind of hanging around um, but it seems like the bad teams in the east are are, are kind of set as far as you know the <laughs> you know the rangers and uh, florida and then of course my detroit red wings and things like that it, there's a lot of ground for those guys to make up if they want to get in uh to the conversation again um but so there's really only a couple teams that are still hanging on like i said buffalo and carolina everybody else is kind of struggling um are these do you kind of expect these playoff standings to kind of stay pat here maybe a little shuffling but for the most part you got to expect the lightning to take the atlantic you got to expect the caps to take the met and then kind of the other spots possibly some shuffling yeah right now i'm looking at pittsburgh and how they have played as of late i mean they're 8 and 2 in their last 10 and we talked about it they were i mean they were literally so low in the totem pole of the eastern conference uh, for so long, but they've won so many games over the last month or so, um, you know, and, and that's a big deal for them because Pittsburgh, you know, they lost or they didn't lose, but they had some guys missing in their starting lineup and uh, they weren't playing up to their potential. But again, you know, Pittsburgh is at 56 points and six in the East and, you know, they're only three points away from the Caps. That's, that's you know, one win and an overtime loss. So, you know, when you're when you're looking at that, it's really going to be a fight to the fight to the finish. Uh, between the the two through the six seeds, as you said, you know a little shuffling here or there, but all those are good teams. I mean, they all have uh, one thing in common, which is good goalies. I mean, Tuka Rask for Boston, uh, Pittsburgh with Matt Murray, and uh, the Cavs, Brayden Holpe, Bobrovsky for Columbus. I mean, you got these guys out there that are really good goalies, and you, you don't see that for some of the bottom feeder teams. Look at Philadelphia, for instance. They haven't had a good goalie in years. And they, they, they keep plucking guys left and right from other teams, like backup goalies here, backup goalies there, this and that. And, you know, that that's just how it is. And, you know, you look at it mainly, uh, not exactly the same in the West, because obviously the West, some of these teams have really good goalies, but they're all the way down the bottom. Uh, but the thing is, 
you you look at it in, the, in this Eastern Conference, they got good goalies and they got good offense. So that's why you see a lot of the goal differentials, um, in, in big big plus margins. Obviously, Tampa Bay fifty six, uh, Washington twenty six, Toronto thirty six, um, and Pittsburgh twenty nine. Those are the four biggest ones in the goal differential for goals for and goals against. So honestly, if you look at it. Uh, I, I think it's going to come down, honestly, to Tampa Bay, like it did last year. Tampa Bay, Washington, Pittsburgh, and then obviously Toronto uh, pl- played uh, the Caps last year in the first round. Um, but uh, excuse me, not the first round. That was two years ago. Uh, but they, you know, Toronto, I think they're going to be a big uh, factor in, this, in these playoffs. But we'll see how Austin Matthews with his whole entire big injury, how, how he comes back and plays. But uh Overall, man, it's it's definitely going to be a little shuffling, like you mentioned. But Tampa Bay is probably going to most likely win the first seed. Um, but at the same time, uh, I'm looking real forward to this. It's kind of like this is like the Western Conference for the for the NBA. Yeah, like, this oh, is where for everyone sure. everyone feeds off each other, and they're all like, okay, we gotta we gotta play our best each and every night. But uh, overall, it's going to be fun to watch out for uh, uh, the rest of the at least before the All Star break, and then starting off the uh, the next. Uh, to what six six or seven games whatever i said home games for the caps it's gonna be fun man and then real quick on the west i mean you just have a lot of teams that have been beating up on each other um and then some teams on some some nice win streaks like the sharks six games in a row calgary five games in a row as far as wins go um yeah. so we'll kind of see how that plays out not, we're not going to touch too much on the west just because um you know the, the caps aren't in there <laughs> but um so now it is time to uh wrap up our teams by heading to a little baseball um, and actually some some news baseball wise that we haven't well not eh, it's it's semi news we haven't talked about it on the show um, but uh, we'll get to that in a sec let's talk some Nats baseball three balls two strikes the pitch swing and a long drive. We shift to our final team here to discuss the Washington Nationals. Going to be quick. Um, and uh, for the Nats, uh, the, the, the interesting news for them was that, you know, that we haven't talked about on the show yet, was signing Brian Dozier. One-year, $9 million contract. Um, they designated uh, Matt Reynolds for assignment. Um, you bring in Dozier. And again, this is another position where... Uh, you know, there were questions. I mean, if you had gone before free agents or before the, the off season and you kind of picked different spots of, Hey, this is where the Nats need help. This is where the Nats should sign a guy, things like that. Mike Rizzo has gone through the checklist and pretty much hit every single box. I mean, yeah. the only thing he possibly hasn't hit is maybe a little more firepower, um, in the bullpen. But besides that, he's gone and grabbed a fourth or fifth starter and Anibal Sanchez. He's, um, got a catcher now. He's got. I mean, he's been making the the right moves, and now here's another one, Mike, where you bring a veteran second baseman and Brian Dozier. Um, yes, he is coming off of a, a kind of a down year um, uh, of last season, but at the same time. Um, you know he's a guy that can hit homers. He can steal some bases here and there. He's he's he is great defensively. He won a Gold Glove back in in, in 2017. Um, 
you know, he's he's a big upgrade at the position from Daniel Murphy for sure. Um, yeah. I guess the big question is, and this is kind of where Rizzo took the bet on, is, you know, last year he was batting about 215, uh, hit 20 bombs. Um, but I think that's kind of helped the Nats, you know, value-wise, get him at, at a pretty good price tag was because he's coming off a bad season. I think Rizzo's betting this guy's not going to repeat that here uh, in 2019. He's going to be able to put together a strong campaign because now the second base position is his Mike. And you don't have to worry about, okay, do we bring Carter Keyboom up too early? Are we going to be splitting between Howie and Defoe? I mean, what's the game plan here? Um, there's no sure thing. Now, you know, okay, this is going to be our everyday second baseman. We've got some options behind them as with Defoe and Kendrick who can all move around the infield and outfield mm-hmm. and things like that. And now you can give Carter Keyboom a little more time to develop. Um, so he's not just rushed into a situation here uh, before he should be. Um, so this just provides some stability really. Yeah, it really gives them really good depth, in my opinion, because the sole fact that, I mean, when you look at uh, their infield as a whole right now, Brian Dozier fits the role of that's that everyday second baseman that you can bring in there. It's a, it's, it's a team-friendly deal. It's only, uh, you know, it's, it's only a, a one-year deal, which uh, doesn't hurt them at all because, I mean, hey, what's one more year uh, for um, Keyboom to come up here and, uh, and and learn from some of these vets and also uh, get some more playing time in, in, in Syracuse and in different spots uh, when he comes up to the majors and different stuff like that. So honestly, in my opinion, uh, that, that's a brilliant move because, again, like I said, team-friendly deal. Uh, Anibal Sanchez uh, was a team-friendly deal as well for the most part. Uh, and uh, when you're looking at some of these guys that they picked up, like like a Kurt Suzuki, who right now on their depth chart is, is in the starting role, but... I honestly think that Jan Gomes is going to be starting there. Yeah, for um, sure. But at the same time, uh, you know, Kurt Suzuki is going to be one of those guys that comes off the bench, like we mentioned a multitude of times, and uh, and hit 275 and, and different stuff like that, give you a couple bombs here and there. Uh, but Brian Dozier, like you said, he's – I mean, that's the, the, the brilliance of uh, Mike Rizzo. You know, he's, he's going to go get these guys out there that – have bad years and bet on them to have a better year because uh, he has the room to make that move. You know, if Brian Dozier is is playing horribly, all right, Howie Kendrick, you know, uh, we, we gave you a little bit of rest to start the season, head back in there and hit, hit 320. You know, it's like that's the biggest thing, in my opinion, is that the move was made so Howie Kendrick doesn't have to go out there and, you know, rush back from his Achilles injury uh, and, and make sure that he gets, uh, you know, the proper time frame to come back and, you know, get that kind of like uh, Daniel Murphy-esque uh, uh, spring training, which was basically a month after the season even started. <laughs> you know, so um, try to get your, your sea legs under you and whatnot and uh, have Wilmer Defoe spot you in some places. But overall, so far, like you mentioned, they, they just made some damn good moves, man. Like you know, Mike Rizzo, like you said, is checking off those boxes left and right making sure that, hey, if Harper doesn't come back, we're on point here. And uh, that Brian Dozier, I, I didn't see that coming. I know they were trying to look at DJ LeMahieu from the Rockies, um, but I think this is more of a team-friendly deal because LeMahieu, uh, you know, it, it was going to be a lot better than Brian Dozier, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but at the same time, that's going to be a lot more money uh, to spend. So Brian Dozier coming here for a year is really going to help the Nats because of the sole, far, the sole fact that you said uh, Keyboom is going to come up here at some point, uh, and he's going to be the you know the the second baseman of the future, um, second baseman or shortstop. We'll see. I, I think they might even you know move Trey Turner over to second base and have Keyboom go over to sec- uh, shortstop. So we'll have to see about that. But again, 
uh, the, the Harper thing is still looming. And uh, we, we, you mentioned that earlier. Uh, really, right now, the Harper thing is is kind of you know getting a little steam now because Ted Lerner flew Harper and his dad, I think, out to California. Out to California to meet. They had a five-hour meeting, and the offer has su- supposedly increased, but no one knows how much. I think they're keeping that under the wraps uh, right now, uh, which is uh, which is a big deal because obviously their their ten-year, three hundred million, no options. Uh, deal is kind of off the table right now. They increased it a little bit to let them know, hey, we're still serious about you coming back. But uh, I mean, if Ted Lerner says says these things, he has a little bit more firepower than Mark Lerner does, um, you know, because you know he's the head honcho guy. So that's the biggest thing is you look at it and say, hey, you know, if, if Harper comes back, we obviously have that dilemma we talked about last week on our episode. But right now, Mike Rizzo is making those preparations for a Harper departure. Uh, because obviously, like we uh, were mentioning uh, last week as well, the, uh, the Phillies met with Harper this past Saturday. I need to find a little bit more information on that as it comes about. But dude, uh, like you mentioned, it, it's it's so uh, it's so exciting, I should, I should say, uh, for this next Nats squad because it's going to be a new look, dude. You don't have Daniel Murphy there. You don't have Wilson Ramos there. You don't have some of these, uh, you know, Tanner Roarks there. You don't have Gio Gonzalez. You don't have all these guys there where we can have a full, hopefully a full season of Juan Soto, Victor Robles, have a whole young core infield, have Adam Eaton, the, the, the presence out in the outfield, have Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg. All these, I mean, dude, it's exciting, man. I'm just getting excited talking about it right now. It's going to be it's gonna be fun. But just like you mentioned, the relief pitching is definitely a little bit suspect, but it's not as suspect as we've seen uh, in, in maybe two or three of the last uh, four years where you go in there and you're like, where the hell does this guy come from? You know, it's just like <laughs> pretty crazy, but uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Dude. I'm excited. Again, just to recap the off season moves here for the nationals. Um, again, you have the Brian uh, Dozier deal. Um, and then besides that, the way Mike Rizzo's operated here this off season. So he's been able to add, Two catchers, Jan Gomes, Kurt Suzuki. He added a couple relievers, Trevor Rosenthal, Kyle Bearcaw, and uh, he added Patrick Corbin and Anibal Sanchez to be kind of the you know second or third starter and then the fourth or fifth starter in Anibal Sanchez. They also re-signed yeah. Matt Adams as the backup first baseman, and then That's now uh, Brian Dozier was added um, as well. And the last kind of reports on uh, Bryce Harper is – uh, basically, the the Phillies, uh, according to random support uh, reports, are uh, all in on on Harper. They've kind of shifted their focus from Manny Machado, who now is heavily favored to go to Chicago, the White Sox. Um, that the Phillies are uh, even USA Today's Bob Nightingale says Phillies the clear favorite to land Harper. Um, I don't wow. know if that's uh as accurate uh as I've heard, I've heard different things like the nats are the clear favorite too so I mean, yeah so you know you can never really take um those uh at, at, you know but at the same time i think it's clearly down between the nats and the phillies um between yeah. those two teams for for harper and like we said i mean what rizzo's doing is basically uh you know preparing this team for life without bryce harper and i think they'll be just fine if 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 he's not there if he is there you know what? I mean, it, it would be great as well. But uh, I think the interesting thing would be if he does go to Philly, 
Mike, that's a very interesting place for Harper to go just because of the fact that they're in the same division and, and the Nats would see Harper, you know, 20, 20 times a year or whatever, the, yeah. uh, things like that. Um, and that's that's kind of intriguing, especially with Philly possibly being one of those up-and-coming playoff contending teams. I mean, just imagine a Philly-Nats series that has playoff meaning behind it um, and Bryce Harper you know, comes back to town in D.C. and, uh, you know, the prodigal, prodigal son returns. And, I mean, I, it, it, this could set up some interesting storylines um, if he goes to Philly. I don't know why he'd want to go to Philly. Uh, yeah. It's not really <laughs> his type of city. It's a city that's really hard on their sports heroes. I mean, they love, obviously, um, you know, the guys that, uh, you know, have done really great for them, but they'll also tear you apart, um, similarly to, like, a Yankees fandom and things like that, where if you're not performing, I mean, you're going to hear yeah. the boos. You're going to... <laughs> they're going to be all exactly they're going to be all over you and Bryce Harper's not really the thickest skin type guy he's a pretty thin skinned guy he doesn't really like criticism uh he's a fiery guy at times I mean you can just imagine if if his season does not let's say he signs the monster deal if his season does not get off on the right foot with a Philly if he does end up there uh, I mean things can get a little dicey especially uh the media in that town too and you know Gabe Kapler I just don't believe in him as a manager and I don't yeah. know this this could be interesting uh storyline wise heading into the season but We'll keep our eyes on that, and then obviously Manny Machado, uh, you know, looking like he's going to end up in in Chicago with the White Sox, which is one of those things where the White Sox are one of those teams you kind of forget exist. Um, <laughs> uh, so you know, Manny Machado, good luck, I guess. I mean, I, I don't see that team being relevant uh, at least for the next couple of years. Um, so you know, they got a lot of work to do. If you're, but you know, one of the big things in the league, and and, and we'll, we'll we'll wrap this up here, but uh, before we move on to Pine Pony Express and and uh, two point conversion, but the big conversation piece all over you know the blogosphere when it comes to sports is the fact that there's a lot of teams out there that have the the money to sign these guys and they're just not doing it. Uh, there's not interest from, I mean, you'd think uh, teams would be climbing all over each other to sign a Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, and that just hasn't been the case this offseason. There's only been three or four teams showing interest. Um, and, yeah, the price tag's pretty big, but these teams can afford it, um, and they yep. aren't. So that was kind of the interesting thing, that you'd think more teams that are possible you know, fringe playoff contenders would be you know, throwing their pitch in uh, to Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and some of these other guys, and they're just not. And that's kind of a big problem in the league right now where teams are really tightening their wallets um, and not, uh, you know, <laughs> bringing, yeah. bringing out the check, checkbook like you'd think they would. And that's slowing free agency down a lot as we're well, that, that, that's now the in mid-January. I'm sorry, man, but that's, no, that's, that's the biggest that's the biggest thing, though, is that no one wants that Stanton or the Albert Pujols or any of these type of contracts out there that exceed the, the Alex Rodriguez back in the day. They don't want that huge, uh, you know, oh, this guy's going to sign for 10 years and this this amount of million. I mean, that's the thing is they don't want to sign that 10-year thing because just like you mentioned, what if he goes to Philly, has a 10-year deal, things go sour in the first two to three years, and then they have to find somebody to trade him and no one wants to take on that contract. So it's like... The, the biggest thing in my mind is that you know the, the Dodgers and I think um, I think the White Sox as well were the ones that did not uh, want to go with a ten-year deal. They were looking more of like a six to seven-year deal. But the problem with that is that Harper would get less money for the most part, and then he wouldn't be able to sign another deal 
until he's what 33 years old but and by that time no one's gonna say oh yeah let me give you a huge deal because they already have those issues with you know like i said albert pools um and, and and things of that alike so really in my opinion it, it's just you look at it and say no one wants to give you those years Go out there and sign a five-year deal, and you can sign another big contract at 31 or something of that nature. You know, you never know. But if you want to stay in D.C., like we talked about many times over, I mean, you might as well just do it and, and, and get, this, get the deal off. Because like you mentioned, Philly sucks. No one wants to go to Philly. You go to Philly, people want to, you know, you have an MVP season for your Eagles, and you get hurt. And then all of a sudden, this guy wins a Super Bowl, you know, in, in the wake of you getting your, you know, your, your leg torn off. And then they want to trade you. It's like, what, how does it make any sense? Yeah, they're ruthless, man. They're ruthless. MVP caliber quarterback, you want to trade that? I don't think I don't think Bryce fits there, man. I just don't see. I mean, Dodgers, all. yeah, but uh, maybe. But I don't I don't see him fitting in Philly, and that's apparently where he's you know guaranteed to go, according to some people. So, yeah, um, let's move on. Those are the four teams again. You can go back and listen if you um, are fast forwarded or something like that. You can go back and listen. We touched on all four teams. Now to move on to our final segment here as we go through our two-point conversion in our pine pony express uh mike let's start with the two-point conversion and we've kind of chatted a little bit about uh about what we've been doing of late and i feel like you know for you your big two-point conversion is you know the snow day mike where you get to oh, uh, yeah. you're sleeping in you're liking, uh, it. liking you know, it playing a little bit of video games here and there but i think for <laughs> you it's especially with the hours that you have to wake up at um you know have you found that you know you're sleeping in uh is just so so when you do you find yourself on the days <laughs> that you get saying. to sleep in uh on the days you get to sleep in do you find yourself waking up at the normal time and then you look over at the clock and you go oh man i can go right back to sleep <laughs> it's a sweet sweet thing man isn't it i mean it, it, the funny thing is that even when i was younger like i could sleep in until two three i mean i did stay up a little late but at the same time if say you stay up until 2 a.m i mean you're, it's going to be very difficult to, to sleep for you know 12 hours um but you can do it if you actually you know have have the uh the right means to it so honestly like you said it's really it's really crazy to see um you know when you have a friday or a saturday or whatever it may be friday night saturday night say um where you look at the clock like you mentioned and you see you know 7 30 or whatever the time it says on the clock and you're just like man it feels good like it's just like you can sleep as long as you want and that's the crazy thing is like you know in, in past jobs different stuff like that i was able to sleep in but the job i have now it's like you have to get up at the break of dawn. And I'm not a morning person, like like we mentioned multiple times over. So it's definitely uh, definitely something to uh, to be uh, proud about working for the school system. And they say, oh yeah, we have a you know a, an off day tomorrow. So uh, you know, live it up, guys. Like it's it's like you know you're just like hell yeah, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> you know, so it's it's pretty crazy though, dude. Because I mean, with school holidays, different stuff like that, it's it's just it's definitely a blessing in disguise. But you know, I don't really take advantage of those too much. I mean, what I should do is ahead of time, I should start saying, okay, I got a three-day weekend coming up in three weeks. What should I do? And then try to figure it out. But the problem is I don't do that. And <laughs> it's like, it's really a bad thing. Um, but uh, at the same time, it's it's definitely, uh, like I said, a blessing in disguise to have these type of days where, like you said, I get up the crack of dawn most every single day. It sucks. I'm not a morning person. But then when I get those sweet, sweet days, whether it be a Friday night, uh, Saturday night, where I can go to bed whenever the hell I want and wake up whenever the hell I want. 
it feels pretty damn good to be a gangster. <laughs> my my two point conversion, <laughs> my two two point conversion is, and I don't know if that is yours. I just placed that upon you. You can go. You can go ahead, um, is just is that I had uh, pizza three times last week. Um, really? Let's see. Monday when we did the show. Tuesday okay. I had it, and then uh, Thursday when I did my other podcast. So wait, three. so wait, so t- Tuesday. What would you do Tuesday? Tuesday uh, went. Uh, did ended up not going boxing that night, or did I? Oh. Or did I go boxing? Maybe I did. No, I did. I don't know, man. I think I just know I had pizza. <laughs> Maybe it was Monday, Thursday, Saturday. It might have been that. <laughs> yeah, no, because I did not have Tuesday pizza. On Saturday. Tuesday. That's a big jump. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was not. It was not Monday, Tuesday, because I did actually go boxing on Tuesday, and then we got some got some mows afterwards, which is always oh, solid. That's right. um, yeah. But yeah, three still three times in one week. What um, kind of pizzas were there? Uh, like what were places? So you and I both had we had Domino's, right? Or we had, we, had, we, had, we, had, we, had, we had Papa, obviously. So I had one was dude. one was Papa John's, and then two were Domino's. Ah, okay, okay. And, and, and we, we we said we already talked about the Domino's being yeah. better than the Papa, obviously. Oh, for sure, for sure. So back to the crust, obviously. Um, uh, this was strictly price point uh, reasoning. Uh, yeah, me yeah, me yeah. getting the the and speed for for the dominoes, but speed, yeah, yeah. that. I am a <laughs> little sick of a uh, little sick of pizza right now. Surprisingly, um, wow. But uh, there, but then again, there is a new pizza place. I think that opened up uh, near me uh, that we got one of the flyers in the mail about. So you know, may have to try that. May have to. Uh, may <laughs> have, may to, have just, to uh gotta, enter that realm. Got to give them the review, you know, for the, their first appearance. So yeah, cause you're, you're a reviewer, aren't you? Um, I mean, I, I, I am a Yelper at times. At times, <laughs> I have dabbled in the Yelp community. Uh, uh, well, well, I've many, many views, many of views on my Yelp reviews, actually. Really? Are you, are you one of those uh, verified Yelpers or whatever they call them? I'm not verified Yelpers, but I've gotten like over thousands of views on my um, on my reviews. So the people care about what I have to say. Ah, OK. OK. I was making sure I need to, I might need to go and, uh, and check out your profile on there and see what. Uh, Places you reviewed. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> let's move into our Pine Pony Express. This is a chance for Mike and I to bring some stories to light. They may be news stories. They may be stories just in our lives. I mean, they may be anything that's going on um, that we find funny or interesting. Uh, mine today, Mike, comes from Sky.com, uh, and uh, they, the headline is, Anger Room gives China a smashing way to reduce rage. And the way this works is there's this place called Smash, and it's in Beijing. And it's it's equipped with bats and hammers. And basically, you can take out your rage on televisions, clocks, telephones, wine bottles, um... Anything you want, you can just you you can bring in your own stuff to smash. <laughs> um, like somebody said, they brought her their wedding photos, which is kind of weird because they don't mention them having like a divorce. They just said <laughs> a woman brought all of her wedding photos here, so that's interesting. Um, and uh, basically, they just give you the room and the tools to just break a bunch of stuff um, if you're feeling angry or anything like that. Um, you know, I don't know what the how much it costs. It doesn't say that, um, but uh, I think it's an interesting concept. Um, just literally, now I know things like uh, you know smashing derby cars and things like that exist. Um, yeah. But uh, this is uh, uh, you know, would you pay money to go to a place 
to basically be able to grab a Louisville slugger and just start going to town on everything nearby <laughs> with no repercussions. Well, that's the thing is I actually have heard of this before. And uh, like, honestly, that might be one of the best business things I've ever seen in my life. Because oh, yeah. You think, about, think about it this way, dude. All you have to do is have like a warehouse and just have like a bunch of different uh, like little little rooms and you can you can you know get all this old crap you know from the thrift store or whatever and just make it look like a room and then you can just have someone go in there and like you said go to town have it you know hit a few dingers out there and uh, and smash a lot of crap and then you had you pay like you know someone you know 15 20 bucks an hour or whatever to go in there and clean up all the crap and then you just set it right back up because you keep you keep getting you know swivel TVs and old couches and different stuff of that nature. Um, and, and I mean, I don't know how much you would charge, like you said, but I mean, if you could charge, I would say anywhere between you know, geez, maybe twenty five to fifty dollars an hour. I mean, they said, I mean, that's a long time. To that's a things. long time. That's exhausting. <laughs> that's a workout. <laughs> Suddenly, people are getting in shape by breaking stuff. What would that's be thing, your dude, thing to break? About it, though. What I would you? What would you? If you like, it has uh, to be glass, dude. It has to yeah, be glass. I think glass I mean, would be pretty sick. Another thing that I think would be kind of cool is um, if you lined up a bunch of bobbleheads of like Washington Redskins players that no longer play for the Redskins or something yeah, like that, true. and you get like an axe and you just kind of go down the line of the bobbleheads and try to see how many you can you know chop off with one swing. I think <laughs> while while keeping like the bottom halves there and you're just cut, cutting off the heads. I think Samurai that, sword. I think that could be kind of interesting. The the worry I have is if uh if I'm in there and the guy, you know, 20 feet to my right also has like a bat or an axe or whatever the case may be. You know, what if that guy decides, you know what, this would be a great time to start murdering. And then he's starting, <laughs> you know, he's suddenly in an enclosed space um, where he can just, you know, just start, you know, killing people and then kind of can go, oh, you know what, I thought we could actually do this as well as break the other stuff. I didn't know we couldn't. Oh, I didn't. This wasn't in the rules or something like that. <laughs> this wasn't um, in the brochure. Because then suddenly you're just in a room with strangers who have bats in their hands. Um, not many places you'd feel real comfortable with that, um, you know, especially strangers who are getting their anger out. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, I don't know really, you know, if that would, you know, be a big factor. Obviously, you know, you have some crazies that would go do that because I wouldn't pay to go do that because if you really wanted to do something, you know, go, you know, find a field and do it yourself like the office space, uh, you, know, you know, that movie. But um Overall, I mean that's a that's a real cool concept because you could easily just, just just pay for it yourself. But the problem is is the interest because you know, everyone's angry at some point. But do you really want to go pay to let out your anger when you can just scream or like I said, you can go out to a field and smash a a, a fax machine? Yeah, or, but this is cathartic. Machine. I mean, grabbing a bat and smashing glass and things like that. I mean, I get it. I get it. I mean, well, the good thing is, especially that if you, you could get some do. drinks after or something like that. <laughs> probably not oh, during. During would yeah. probably be a bad idea. No, it would be. Well, you, you have to sign that waiver. That's the biggest uh, thing. But the darn I mean, waiver. Yes, yeah, damn waiver. Um, you know, but that's the thing is that I would honestly, you know, personally, I would love to because um, anything that really gets you uh, kind of scared, not scared, but like anything that really gets you like kind of freaked out a little bit, kind of like, for instance, like breaking glass. Like if you. You know, you break a glass, you're just like, oh, my God, it's scary. Oh, damn. You know, 
But if you can break glass in there, like a glass table or just a, a mirror or anything of that nature. And also, I think that if you could incorporate some type of fire, like some contained fire, that would be pretty cool as well. But, yeah, um, I don't know if that's going to be allowed. <laughs> you know, I, I the, the smashing glass is one thing. I don't think they're going to uh, be like, yeah, you can definitely... Um, you know, set a set a set of fire here. Uh, I, I don't think that is going to be approved. But you know what? That's a good idea. Um, yeah. You can run Senator that by the board Beijing. for sure. Uh, what's your story? Okay, my story is it's a little older. It's about a uh, I don't know about two weeks old. Um, but I had to had to keep it in the uh, the, the the lock safe here. So uh, the title is Kentucky man accused of throwing Christmas ham at woman during argument over day to have holiday dinner um this guy definitely looks like he's taken a mugshot before um he was charged with assault uh and uh, it was in kentucky so uh, let's be honest here um he was arrested after the cops said he hurled a christmas ham at a woman during an argument over what day to have holiday dinner he's 21 years old he attempted to flee from deputies uh but finally was detained at their home uh which um honestly it's kind of it's kind of kind of rough, you know. You get a, you get arrested for throwing a, a piece of meat. Was it a frozen? Somebody. So was it a whole ham that they threw? Yes. Was full, it full, was, full was it ham. frozen or defrosted? Because there's a difference. <laughs> I don't, honestly, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a difference in impact. Um, oh, one man. one's kind of like a boulder, um, and yeah. the other is just kind of like a slimy alien. Well, um, <laughs> slimy alien. I never heard some someone use that as a comparison before, but. Uh, uh, I think well, it doesn't really say it because it's not – it's like maybe like maybe – it's probably a total of 10 to 15 sentences. But sure. it says investigators in Laurel County say that Brandon began throwing Brandon? items. Yeah, Brandon. Okay. His, 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 his no, I'm name. not surprised. Oh, that, oh that's his last, <laughs> his last name. name. Okay, okay. His first name is David. <laughs> okay, David Brandon. Okay. <laughs> so it's, uh, that's his first name. That would be wouldn't surprise either. Yeah, but, that's, that's a ham um, guy right there. That's the yeah. guy that throws the ham. Yeah, it's like, come on now. It's like, you, like you uh, think of bigger things to argue about. Like you're you're arguing over what day to have holiday dinner, uh, so you ruin your dinner by throwing the dinner item at somebody else and it getting all over the floor. See, but the thing is, you, I think you fall into this category because, um, you know, with your the way you get upset about people having Christmas lights up after yep. New Year's um, or the big the people that put the big floats up and things like that. <laughs> See, I wouldn't be surprised to see you throw a ham through a, uh, sn- a oh, yeah. snowman float on somebody's uh, front lawn. Oh, uh, dude. I, I could see you being like that. <laughs> don't get me started. We'll do it next week about about the, uh, about the Christmas lights being up because I'm waiting to see when some of these people, because of uh, you know my, my travels of, of where uh, these certain people have Christmas lights up, because I've seen people start to take them down a little bit, but uh, you know, I could I could see myself throwing maybe a, a nice uh, turkey leg or something uh, at one of these abominable snowmen or whatever. Yeah, I could see you throwing food. I could see you doing that, and you got a good arm. So I, my guess would be it would it would it would hurt. Uh, <laughs> you got to get the ones that have the nice the nice bone inside of it. Yeah, yeah, you got to make sure. Got to make sure it's the drumstick for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> Like you said, uh, the area that the story was told in um, is uh, not surprising, um, and I think that's that's the key with these stories. Is there's usually it's uh, you know either Florida or somewhere in the deep deep south, 
um, yeah. or New York, because New York also has a lot of crazy stuff go on. So yeah. um, there's very nobody's saying, yeah, this really crazy thing happened in like Lancaster, Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. it's all in uh, you know. Tampa. Well, they don't mention they don't mention Philadelphia anyways, because Philadelphia it's like an everyday occurrence, so it doesn't make the news. Well, very true, very true. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, that's a that's a good one. I, I I think those are those are a couple good stories here. I think the guy that uh, threw the ham could have benefited from the smash room, um, where he could have gone exactly. in and taken out his anger against the ham. He could have set up the the ham right there and grabbed a, <laughs> uh, grabbed the bat and just you know gone to town if he wanted to. So um, I think that could have worked. Uh, any final thoughts here before we wrap up uh, this evening here? And we know, folks. Um, hopefully, the weather. I know there's supposed to be another sn- stupid snowstorm next week. Yeah, so I heard that too. We'll, we'll see how that plays out, though. Um, and then we'll hopefully try to get together in person next week, maybe work in some video component. Um, and then again, hopefully uh, be previewing some Super Bowl talk at that point as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, Mike, let's hope this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fine with the snow here and there. And I know you are, especially to be able to get some days off. But I'm not looking for snow every single weekend from here on out. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they said it was supposed to be a terrible winter. But um, I'm not exactly sure what that means because, I mean, you look at it, it's like December. We didn't have pretty much anything. Our first snow is like almost mid, you know, or pretty much mid-January. And it's like, okay. And all of a sudden, they're going to have another snowstorm uh, supposedly this this weekend. Um, but, uh, I mean, we're going to have to see how that comes about. But uh, like you said, hopefully next week we're going to be in person, possibly. We'll have to, we'll have to you know, play it by year. But at the same time, uh, we're hope, hoping to have the uh, Let's Talk Redskins guys uh on next week hopefully if we are in person we're gonna try to save that until we're in person uh with the snow because they couldn't come on uh again because of the snow and all that kind of different stuff as well we also wanted to have uh, me and ben be in person so that's a different story but um overall man i'm hoping the snow uh somewhat holds off so we can do the in-person deal and then i get more days off and different stuff of that nature um but it's been a good episode dude we, t- we touched on a lot of different topics we had a little fact of fiction game we'll start to integrate a lot more games here uh in the new year but um any last words for you sir not really we'll just kind of see how you know the, the big things going on in the dc area as far as what could be happening over the next couple of weeks will be you know are the wizards going to be able to keep playing pretty well without john wall it's going to be can the caps you know stay steady um are the redskins going to be making any moves here in the next couple of weeks as far as any rumors or letting guys go or things like that. And then obviously Bryce Harper, um, kind of where he lands because of the Nats, as far as their off season moves pretty much finished up. I mean, again, you might expect Rizzo to pull off a couple things here and there, but minor things, um, but he's kind of made all the major moves that he needed to do. So, so really now it all comes down to where, will Bryce end up? So that will kind of yeah. play that out. And then I also think next week, maybe we can touch a little college basketball action here in the in, in local. I know uh, you and I might be going to a Mason game here in a couple weeks. And then, um, you know, Virginia Tech playing well basketball-wise. And um, so there's yeah, definitely plenty, uh, plenty, plenty to talk in the local college hoop scene as well. Yeah, we definitely will have Danny Noakes on. I briefly talked to him a few days ago to try to uh, possibly – um, have a little segment uh, with him about the uh, Tech UVA game that comes on tomorrow. Uh, so I'll try to see if I can get in touch with him either tonight or tomorrow. We'll see if we can squeeze in something. But if not, 
Uh, we will preview That's gonna be a the good game. game as well. Yeah, it's going to be a very good game. You know, Tech is one of the best shooting clubs in the nation right now, ranked ninth in the country, UVA in the top five. They're one of the best defensive clubs in the country. Uh, it's always a huge rivalry with Tech and UVA, no doubt about it. But overall, I'm hoping uh, to have uh, Danny on maybe – uh, we'll just, maybe we'll just have him on maybe next week. We'll see. Um, and, uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, and whatnot. We'll try to try to preview some of these games and, and recap some of the games. We also got to talk to Daniel as well, uh, about the whole entire tech, uh, UVA football game, that whole entire craziness that happened, uh, about a month or so ago. Um, and talk about that as well as we haven't gotten in touch with him because he's been very, very busy down there with Fox sports, nine, 10 in Richmond. But, Overall, man, it's definitely been a good episode. Uh, Got to go get to editing in this episode and uh, put in our nice little intros and different stuff of that nature. Uh, hopefully you guys liked our intros. Again, we're going to be putting uh, more voiceovers and different stuff of that nature on the show uh, here and there. But uh, definitely uh, follow us on all social media outlets, uh, DC Crossover Podcast on Facebook, at the DC Crossover on Twitter. Go check out our website, dccrossover.com. If you want to get in contact with, in contact with us, contact us on uh, one of those three outlets. And uh, if you want to email Ben uh, a little bit more further, uh, ben at dccrossover.com. And also uh, definitely stay tuned to our podcast. Again, a lot of different happenings is our mainstay uh, for our entire website, dccrossover.com. And uh, check out uh, on the three platforms that we broadcast on, Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Uh, Google Play Music and also Google Podcasts. Uh, definitely stay tuned to that. But for Ben Simpson, I am Mike Cerrone saying so long yet again for the DC crossover. So long, everybody. Let's set fire to the light.